With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Married Men Don't Talk Show. Produced by Household Stress, home of the talk show, the top selling book, and an app for your Android smartphones. We come your way every Tuesday night, but you can get more info about this show by visiting our website, householdstress.com. Listeners can listen to one of our live weekly talk shows by calling in or logging on to householdstress.com from your personal computer as an anonymous guest. Phone lines are open right now, but this show is strictly for men only, so call into the hottest talk show in the world. Now, we have a couple of rules, and they are absolutely no profanity and no politics, and more importantly, no racial stuff. This show is apolitical and race neutral so that we can make sure that any man can feel comfortable on our show. And furthermore, fellas, this ain't Bible study. We want you to just be able to come to our show as a man, and that is it. The Married Men on Talk Show always presents the hottest topics for discussion, and tonight is no different. Tonight's topic is, who's raising your kids? And... This topic was actually brought to us by one of our newest fans, none other than my boy, A.T. You out there, A.T.? All right, Ronnie. What's going on? What's up, my man, my man? He's, he's got a few questions on on this topic as well. Um, but my name is Rodney, and I'll be your moderator for the evening. Uh, this is a fluid conversation, so if you do have something to say, please feel free to do so. Or if you prefer to listen, that's absolutely fine as well. But... Please find your mute button right now and kindly put your phone on mute if you don't plan on talking. Um, and also, you know, make sure you don't have any background noise or any, um, you're not on speaker or Bluetooth devices that affects the audio quality. Also, you can chat with us live right now by going to our Married Men on Talk Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter at Household Stress. All right, with all that mumbo-jumbo said, let's get started. Um, I was raised on the eastern shore of Virginia in a small town called Accomack. And, yeah, one hour, uh, you drive south, you hit Virginia Beach. One hour, you drive north, you hit Salisbury, Maryland. Y'all might have been there. Um, But I was raised by my biological mother and father. Um, They still live in the home that uh, we moved into when I was two months old. And um, they're still married today. They're both retired. They've been married, I think, 44 years. Um, but my town in Accomack has one traffic light. It had one traffic light when I was living there and growing up there. But now they have two. They have two traffic lights. So, but again, it was, you know, me and I, my older brother um, and my biological mom and dad. So I want to start this thing off tonight with rather a simplistic question that everyone will be able to answer. And the question is simply, who raised you? I told you who raised me, so who raised you? Go ahead, my brother. Well, I, um, this is A.T. I'm going to start it off. I'm going to start off. I was raised by, starting out by my mom and my dad, um, born in Washington, D.C., by way of 
Tupelo, Mississippi. We moved to Mississippi when I was about one years old. Um, stayed there until I was about 10 and moved back to Washington, D.C., where I continued uh, to grow up in Washington, D.C. Um, after that, 15 years of marriage, my mom and dad split up, and I went. me and my two brothers went to live with my dad. Since though he had all boys, he figured he would be the best role model, male role model um, for us, and my mom agreed. So uh, I was raised basically primarily by my dad. And it was just you and your uh, two brothers, no other siblings? Yeah, just, just, just the three of us. And uh, my dad was always adopting uh, children, I say, from the neighborhood. So it was us three, his biological sons, and he had like a million other uh, adopted neighborhood kids that he, he that called them pops also. Mm-hmm. Good words, good words. What, what about the rest of you fellas? Who, who raised you? Who raised you? I was raised by my mom and dad. Biological. Okay. All right. I was raised by my biological mom and dad. And you were in oh, Mississippi yeah. too, right? Right, I. Yeah, Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, well, Jackson, Mississippi. Summertime, the grandparents in the woods, and uh, yeah. the rest of the time at home with mom and dad. That's what's up. I got family all down through Mississippi, and, and from to Grenada to Tupelo. Jackson. The mm, words. Anybody else? Who raised you? Who raised you? Who raised you? I, I, was, raised I was raised by my father and stepmother. Father and stepmother. Okay, P. Tan. Yeah, yeah. I was raised by both my mother and father. Okay. Yeah, so my um my next question would be um do you see a difference? in the uh, the family structure today as opposed to when we were growing up back then? Mm. I think so because I think we had a almost a consensus on mom and dad, um, mm. you know, with the exception of one brother had the father and stepmother. But, you know, even still, whether it was uh, biological or not, we did have, both mom and dad in the picture, I guess. Is it safe to say? I think everybody answered. Mom and dad was kind of present, at least for a good portion, if not all, of our lives. Right. So my my, my thing my thing is um, today, even with having two-parent households, back then it was kind of different because most of the time you had a stay-at-home parent, which was usually the mom, if I'm not mistaken, and you had the dad that provided. Today, with the way society is set up, you have both parents either having to work or wanting to work in order to attain certain goals or um, certain uh, levels of life, as as uh, as they see it. Uh, and I want to know: Are we trading morals and principles and parenting for the monetary gain? Because that, that's something that, that, that troubles me every day. It's like society has put so much out there for us to go out and pursue monetarily that are we forgetting to enforce and raise our children and and and, uh, and be, like, in their, in their lives on a day-to-day basis. So chasing the dollar rather than, you know, just not being at home, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, not, not, not necessarily just being at home, but just being involved parents. You know what I mean? So I just want to know, what do you guys, coming from, I want to get somebody else's view and take on it because I know my view. My view is I feel like uh, the way society is set up, most people have to work, co-parents have to work in order to survive. So that puts, if they have children, that puts their kids at a certain disadvantage when it comes to time spent with your children. I know I struggle every day with trying to find time for my kids and, you know what I mean, and especially having two children that don't live with me outside of the house, trying to find time, weekends and stuff like that, holidays and things of that nature, trying to find time to spend with them and work around my work schedule. So that's something that I debate with back and forth on a day-to-day basis. I understand. I understand. When I was growing up, uh, both my parents worked since day one, still working. Um, and they worked long hours. So, um, but at that time, the economy was a little better. It wasn't, you know, like they were working two or three jobs, and then we, we wouldn't see each other until like 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Um, right. Dad was always home at 5.30. Mom always had food on the table. You know, school work was done, and, then you're outside playing until dark. Um, but, uh, yeah, all the events growing up for me, they were always there. Could be just I got lucky. I got some lucky parents because my dad worked for the state. So, you know, you did eight hours and left. But then he would take, he'd take part-time jobs, but he would be home and then the part-time job would be in the evening. So by the time it's time for us to go to bed, then he's going back to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He still got time to be with mom and dad. Right. That's just uh. Anybody else? And want to share? Hey, what what was the question? I, I'm sorry, I just I just got on the phone. Oh, my... man, you late? I'm man. sorry. No, we 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 were messing with you, man. Go go ahead, at. <laughs> Restate your uh, question. Uh, it was just a basically just trying to figure out. Does anybody struggle with finding hours and, and time to spend with their children and trying to find out, trying to balance work and home at the same time? Oh, well, yeah, I got, yeah, I, I would like to say something on it if I can. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've I seen uh, when I used to have two jobs, you know, I've seen how the effect that it had on my, my, uh, my kids, you know, and I've I seen they was a lot more ruly and they was a lot more disrespectful in the household. They would try to get away with stuff that they normally wouldn't. Um, and, and, and then I had to take a step back and just take a, another job that requires me to work at night so I can be with them when they come home and, um, and, and get enough, make enough where my wife don't have to work um, and, well, pray you know, first and, and make enough for put me in a position that my wife won't have to work so we can be at home most of the time. And and then, then I start to notice the, the neighbors when they leave their kids at home because both of them working. And I seen the, it was a little girl, I seen the dudes coming in and out of her house, you know, and I'm like, wow, you know, and, 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 and you know, who am I to go over there and tell her mama, you know, you had, you had like four or five dudes over your 
house today, you know, and, and and my kids was telling me, well, you can't be snitching on folks. I'm like, look, this ain't jail. You know, that's that. Them, that <laughs> them people paid a mortgage for that house. That little girl got people running in and out of there. So, mm. yeah, so, but, but yeah, God gave me, you know, gave me and my wife a, uh, a position where we, we can both be at home with the kids during the day, and it's a definitely a difference because now you don't need no cell phone. Now you don't need no iPod to get in touch with me. Now you don't need no, you know, now I'm here to help you with your homework. You yeah. know, so it's a, it's a difference when I'm at home with them and I can be at home when they when they need me and I can do stuff with them and, you know, the relationship you know, I can I can stop that or suppress that mess when they start popping out because we competing against a society that don't that don't have two parent households. We already competing. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we already competing against a society that 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 gaze is on the rise. You know, so when they come home with that and nobody to suppress that, then nine times out of ten they gonna lean in that direction if everybody else is doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Too. I'm glad you said that too, um, because uh. That's one of my other uh, points, uh, basically just having, um, uh, being, uh, like, balancing out when you said about the, the young girl having uh, people coming back and forth, basically, like, community parenting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, getting back to the days when people looked out for one another's kid, you know what I mean? And looked out for mm. each other based on if you if you saw somebody doing something wrong, you saw somebody's kid doing something wrong, you had a, a relationship with that neighbor to where though you can, you know, say, hey, look, I know your mom don't approve of you doing that or doing this or whatever. You know, you need to stop doing that or whatever. I think we've lost that whole, like, uh, attitude to where, though, it's like, oh, that's not my problem. But in, 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 retros- in retrospect, it is your problem because if that child goes out and does something wrong in the community, that's your community. It affects everybody within that community. That's right. That's right. I, I think what he's talking about is the whole concept of it takes a village to raise a child. Um, do y'all agree with that concept? Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that concept, but the times has changed. Like, you know, um, people don't talk like that no more. Like, um, you know, my my my, uh, my son had some problems with some kid at school, and I was like, well, go tell the teacher. They was like, no, because if I tell the teacher, then they're going to snitch, and then I get jumped <laughs> instead of just me and this one kid or me and these two cats. But if I tell, they find out that I snitch, then, you know, then I'm going to get jumped like this other dude did. So it's not really, I mean, it used to be like that. You know, you, you show one person your report card down the street, and they beat your butt, and the next person beat your butt, and then when you get home, then your mama and your grandma beat you behind. It's not like that no more. Does anybody else agree with that concept? It takes yeah, a I agree with exactly. I think it takes, it, it takes a family to raise a child. Because I don't so want you, my neighbor, you know, trying to raise my kid because he's a whack job liberal nut. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 I, so you said, so basically I, what you're saying is that the, the deterioration of society has made everybody more uh, more standoffish and more personal to when it comes to their children and, and, and their home. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's a lot of things. I think it's society. I think it's the legal system with all the frivolous lawsuits. Uh, <laughs> I think the financial uh the cost of living has increased now where it is outpaced uh the average income of a single American working in the house. 
I think all of these things uh, factor into that. Yeah, but I think the whole concept of um, I think I'll I think I'm going to agree with Andrew. Um, I think that the whole concept it takes a village to raise a child is BS because it doesn't take a village to raise a child. I think Andrew alluded to it. It takes a nurturing and committed family unit, bottom line. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Ike and his wife are highly capable of raising their children. I'm going to go out on another limb and say that P-Town and his wife are highly capable of raising their children. And, you know, you, you, you each individually and respectively have more concern for your children's welfare, you know, more about what they need, whether it be emotionally, uh, academically, spiritually, socially, than the quote-unquote village would. And no one else in the world cares for your children, cares more about your children than you do. And I don't understand, what I don't understand about this concept is that why do we doubt that parents are the best people for the job of raising their children. Why do we seem to be so eager, you know, to give up our parental authority and responsibility to this said village? That's what I don't understand. Well, I don't I think, think no one, one is really saying that to give up. Yeah, I, think you're, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. Yeah, because, Rodney, if, when my girls get a little older, some boys over here, uh, I need you to tell me. Oh yeah, no you know doubt. I don't know that. I'm not gonna sit up here and say, "Well, no, not my daughter." Oh, oh God, no! I'm not a parent. Someone <laughs> let me know. My kid did something. <laughs> Automatically, no. I said, "Yeah, she did it." And then my kid is like, "Well, why are you taking the teacher's side?" I'm saying, "Cause the teacher's an adult." <laughs> and you know, have, you know the difference um, between child and adult. Yeah, but getting information and raising your your child is two different things. I mean, you know, uh, if I, if I'm around, you know, Ronnie's kids, you know, obviously, you know, I can say, hey, I saw your kids this or that, but he's going to raise his kids. I right. Mean, it's not mm-hmm. up to me to to raise his children. Right. It's not you up know, to you. And I mean, I love Rodney, and, and Rodney and I share a lot of the same values. You know. Right. Um, you know, and I don't, you know, I got grandbabies his kid's age, and, you know, if they decide to play together and stuff like that, he'd probably feel comfortable with his kids playing with, 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 with my grandbabies only because we have the same type of values. But there's some whack jobs out there that don't have those values. You know, and for me to say it takes, it takes the village, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton line, uh, I want to know what village and what their values are, and I don't know, and I don't have time to figure that out. But but you just said this, you just said, you just made my point because you just said that me and Rodney share the same values and we share the same things, so he doesn't have a problem with his kids interacting with my kids. You're part of that village. No, what I said he probably wouldn't. We're we're you know we don't we don't have kids that same age, so I don't know. But if if I had you know if my kids were his kids' age, those would be, be the kind of kids I would want my children to be around. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying the average Joe next door. I'm saying once you have a web of friends, family, stuff like that, that's considered a village to me. But well, you know what? Mom, what I'm saying is they're not raising my kids. Okay, but when you say raising, you, 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 you don't register. You are 
because if they come over your house, he, he knows that they're going to have the same uh, guidance and direction that he, they would if they were at his house because you guys share the same values. So yeah, I, I give you that, but I, I you know I guess I guess uh, you know. That, you know, a, a part in raising the children would be true. Yeah, like the church would have a part in raising the children, and the school would have a part in raising the children. Exactly. I don't think it's, it's nobody else who's raising your kids. I think it's just uh, uh, what's lost in the world today is just a matter of respect. That, um, you know, they're going to keep their kids accountable when they're away from it, and they know your value. So your neighbors see, know that you you don't allow anybody in your house when you're not home. However, your daughter is bringing some boil. Right, I understand that. Uh, so that's that's the village portion. Nobody wants to take uh, raise your kid. That's your job. Right, right. You made them. Yeah, yeah. So it, I it, guess it's, it's all it, in it, In other words, you know, just people looking out for each other. It's just, right. yeah, you're just letting the kids know that the expectations that you have within the home are going to be held up outside of the home based on your interactions with other adults. I and knowing, knowing, your, knowing your standards. See, when I was growing up, I, when I was growing up, I went a lot of places with my parents and my grandparents and, and was around a lot of their friends. And there were sometimes you would meet friends, you know, other young kids, and y'all would go do things. And they would see it. They would be my mom's eyes. You know, hey, I saw your son running down the hall, the hallway in the hotel. So by the time yeah. I got in the room and I said, uh-uh, that won't me. I'm already yeah, going to P-Town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, P-Town, let me get, um, I think T-Hawk was trying to chime in about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, brother. Nah. You, you got it, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, well, two things I want to talk about. The first thing is that, you know, um, we do want to take credit as parents for raising our kids, but the same thing it takes a village. There are other people that are involved that are instrumental. For one, daycare providers, people that, that, that watch your child after school when you can't be there, teachers, uh, uh, church mentors. So, I mean, it is, it is a village, but it's got to be, you're not talking about everybody on your block. Just like the brother said, it's got to be people within your circle that you trust. And I'll tell you a story. You know, when I grew up, um, somebody's phone has some really bad feedback. Yeah. I'm trying to fix it. Go ahead. Got it. Mm-hmm. Going up in a, uh apartment building in, in Manhattan, it was set up like that, the village. And there's a friend of mine named Michael whose, whose mother was a single um, parent, and she was a nurse. And she worked crazy hours to support her two kids. Michael didn't know from day to day whose house he was going to eat dinner at. Now, it wasn't that, you know, an issue because he had friends, and we were all friends. So he might eat at my house one night, might eat at my cousin's house the next night, might eat at his house the next night. And wherever he stayed, you know what I mean, because they, the whole village took part in helping raising Michael. You know, and um, <clears throat> and he's very successful. He got a, he, he he graduated from college, got a job working at Nike and Reebok, the whole nine yards. But it took everybody to step in and say, okay, well we're going to help out. And I think that that's what it is right now. People don't feel comfortable with 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 
trusting your kids with other people even though you need the help. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, we got you. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so again, again, it is a village. It's not the same times as back then because a lot, of, like I said, a lot is different with trust. But still in all, we still as parents need help, even though we may not admit it, but we need help. We need that village. It will make the job a little easier. Oh, absolutely we need help. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you're not an island. You're not going to do this by yourself. You know, one yeah. of the things that um, our daughter just moved down to Florida and, you know, to go to school and all that kind of thing, and, and she's really liking it. And one of the things we said to her, well, when you get married and have children, you know, do you want to be that far away from family? Because it's very difficult, you know, on your own to to raise kids, especially in today's time and you know age. You just you know you just can't trust people. You know you know your mom and dad. You can you can trust your kids with them, but or hopefully you can. But you know, I mean, if you don't have family, it's really tough. You're just not gonna go to the neighbor and say, hey, you know, keep my kids, especially when they're younger. Yeah, and T Hawk says something interesting. Um, I think he mentioned daycare providers. Did you? Is that correct, Tony? Did you talk about daycare providers? Yes, um, I did. I did. But are some nannies or, or, or daycare providers sometimes better caregivers than the actual parents? Does that happen? Or is the daycare provider sometimes a, a better caregiver than the, the actual parents of the children? Or does that not happen? You can't say better. Um, I just think that they have more time to invest in the child because mm-hmm. they obviously have that position. Because if they didn't have that position, then the parent would be spending the time with the child. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, if you need a daycare provider, that means there's something lacking in your schedule that you can't stay there and, and take care of your child. So... For me, um, I think that the daycare provider may have um, better skills, but for the most part, I don't believe anybody's going to love your kid the way you can. Mm. Mm -hmm. Hey, I wanted to uh, say something about the village and the kid thing. Go ahead, brother. Um, I I was in church, and I thought, you know, I'm thinking that the church has the best – intentions for the children as far as when I say something to your kid or you say something to my kid, you don't have no ill will. But some of these parents don't want you to say anything to their kids no matter what your status is. Uh, You know, they don't, uh, if I say something, uh, for example, this one little girl came up to me and say, hey, last night I spent the night at so-and-so's house and little so-and-so was touching on me. And I told him to stop, and he kept touching on me. And I said, well, did you tell anybody? It's like, uh, no, we just got to church, and, and, and service had already started, and he was touching me here and touching me there and grabbing this and grabbing that. And so I went to the little girl's grandmother because she stayed with her grandmother. I told her what the little girl told me. Then I, took the little, I went to the little boy and went to his parents, and the little boy knew that I was going to his parents, so he went and go hid. So his parents nodded before they even asked the little boy. My son wouldn't do that. 
that's not Jock. You know, I don't want to say that. That happens that's, all the time. You know, that's not him. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't, you know, touch somebody else. And then when they went to go pull him, they said, Jock, he's, did you do this? Okay. I think, uh, uh, can I just chime in real quick? Yeah, go, go ahead. Because I, I, I had a similar situation, and this was like last week. My uh, fiance's uh, cousin came over. She brought her little son over. He was running around the house, you know, ran a bunch of messing with stuff he wasn't supposed to mess with. So I shut him down. You know, said, hey, sit down. You know, you're not going to tear my house. Shut him down. You know, he's still not listening to me. So me, being me, and the way I was raised, you know, I, I didn't spank him, but I disciplined him. You know what I mean? Shut him down. You know, he started crying one of his mom. So his mom came out of the room because her and my fiance was in the room talking. They came out of the room, and she said, what's going on? I said, well, you know, he wasn't listening to me. Um, so I sat him down and made sure that he would listen to me and knew that I wasn't playing with him. I was very firm with him. So she was like, you know, at first it was okay, then she hit me back later on and said, well, you know, I don't feel right with you disciplining my son and stuff like that. And I said, well, I don't feel right with your son disrespecting my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that right. So, so if you're in my, my house... Exactly. My thing is this. First of all, if you don't want anybody saying anything to your children, you need to make sure that you're saying something to your children. That's right. You need to straighten it out. If you don't, I will. You know what I mean? And that's that's just how I was raised. You know what I mean? Like, if if I go to somebody's house and I act up, you know, my mom's like, hey, if they get you, they get you. You know what I mean? First of all, first matter of fact, first of, we had to... We, we had uh, we, Glenn and I had had Michaela this weekend. That's my eight year old grandbaby, and we had a uh, we had a um, a prior engagement. We were going down to Blues Alley, and we had to get a babysitter, which was man, I hadn't had babysitting forever, but we had to get a babysitter. The last thing I said to Michaela before we left, uh, first of all, you listen to her, and second of all, don't forget who you are. Exactly. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Don't come. Don't let me come back here and find out you forgot who you were. You know what I mean? And, and she understood exactly what I meant. In other words, if if, if I'm gonna leave you with my kids, you got the authority to discipline them. Okay. Right. And if there's a kid in my house, if you bring me your kid, you got to know if they ain't acting right, I'm gonna straighten it up. You know? Mm. Now I'm not gonna put my hands on them like I would if they were my kid, but they're gonna know they didn't straighten it up. Exactly, but, exactly. but on the flip side, what, fellas, what, what y'all are talking about is, is being engaged. And if y'all can remember back on uh, April 17, 2012, uh, we did a show about the disengaged dad, uh, a.k.a. 3D. Probably might be one of the <laughs> all-time favorite shows, um, 3D, 3D. But y'all are talking about being engaged. You know, the brother said he set the, you know, set the little dude down. Say you know, you're not gonna respect the house. You said, you know, don't forget who who you are. But what about that disengaged dad, the dad that's that's in the home, but not really engaged in the raising and rearing of the children, and leaves it mostly up to the woman. I I, I don't. I me personally, I, I don't know how to to be that person, and I've never, well, I, no, I'm not going to say I've never seen it, but it's something that's not, um, I don't see it a lot, because I try to I try to have myself around people that's like me, that's like myself, and my dad was always involved in raising us, whether it was coming to my basketball games, whether it was 
making sure that he enforced the rules and regulations that my mom set forth, uh, making sure that we knew that, you know, if we disrespected my mom, that he was the ultimate, like, you know what I mean? He was the one, if if, if you got past mom and, and, and mom had to tell dad, then you were in trouble. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like uh, if mom came to the school and you showed out, or oh. if mom was going to give you a thing and then you ran for mom, the mom would say, okay, well, I'm not going to chase you. I'll wait for your father to come on from work. You I would have never thought minute. about running for my mother. Uh, <laughs> but the worst thing she could ever say to me is, go upstairs in your room and wait till your father gets home. Exactly. Man, that was the end of life. Exactly. And you, and you waited upstairs, and you probably was like, contemplating running away from home probably. <laughs> I, I ran for my mother one time. One time. I was fast. You know, I was fast. You know, I was smelling myself, as they say. But, um, yeah, I ran from her. I mean, she chased me out the house, and, you know, she chased me around the yard, and she didn't catch me. And I think she was chasing me with a broom, um, you know, to get me. I had done something. I mean, it was it was definitely warranted. But I remember her chasing me, um, you know, out the house. She couldn't catch me, and I was just giddy. I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, you ain't, you ain't catching me, Mom. And then she was like, you got to come back in the house at some point. And I was like, oh, True. she's got me right there. I was, I wouldn't even think True. about that. I was just, you know, juking in the yard like, ah, you know, you ain't going to get me. You ain't going to spank me or, you know, do anything to me. You ain't going to hit me. And then I'm like, she's right. So, you know, so eventually, you know, I think I, think I walked around outside a little bit and then was like, you know, I might as well just go ahead and, you know, take it now or, um, you know, uh, I just end up going in and getting my, my whooping. <laughs> my thing was I hated punishment. So if I got a choice, my mom would say, I give you a choice. You want a whooping or you want punishment? I would say whoop me because that, that's going <laughs> to take a little bit of time. Punishment meant I don't know oh, how long you're going to – you know what I mean? I don't know how long this is going to go on. Like you mean punishment okay. all week, can't watch TV, nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember one time my dad asked my sister, you know, you want a whooping or you want punishment? He knew she was going to want punishment. You know, you know, there's times you don't feel like whooping your kids. <laughs> and, and, and she said, I'd rather you whoop me because I want to do something next Tuesday. <laughs> he didn't want their punishment. <laughs> yeah, I know what the, the kids in my house, they, they would prefer, they would prefer a whooping every time over punishment because punishments here are a dicey situation. Uh, they're basically they're no your own punishment for a week. Your own punishment basically until we get tired, you know, <laughs> and then you can't come off the punishment. <laughs> That's funny. You can't come yeah, off the punishment. You can't come off the punishment until we both agree. So. <laughs> You know, getting us to agree is just like getting Congress to agree. It, you know, it, it, takes, <laughs> it, takes, it takes a while. It might, yeah. might be a household shutdown. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bustering. A stalemate. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's a good word. I, I want to drop a monkey wrench right on what you just said, Conda. Um, and maybe we'll go in a different direction. I don't know, but... Um, and and here's here's the monkey wrench, fellas. Is there a difference between a father raising his kids 
with the child's mother compared to a husband raising his kids with his wife? Or is there no difference at all? Is there a difference between a father raising his kids with the children's mother compared to the hus- a husband raising his kids with his wife? I, I think I'm talking about my stepmother. I think I might be the best to answer that because I have children Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go I, I got ahead. children outside of my home. So I got, I got two kids. kids that, I got four all together. Okay. I got a stepdaughter. I got a stepdaughter and I got three biological kids. That's mine. Mm-hmm. Two of those two of those children live outside of home with their mom. So me and her have to co-parent and, and, and do things, try to be on the same page. And it is a difference because, first of all, you're not – in the same home, that's that's a big, that's a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. And no, and no matter what, you have to trust that that person, that other person, that other parent is. When you sit down and say, okay, these are the rules and regulations that we're setting forth for our child, daughter, son, whatever, you have to trust that person enough. Which you should, because they have children. By trust that person enough to say, okay, I'm going to uphold this when that child comes with you, and I'm going to uphold that same law or regulations and rules when that child comes with me. You know what I mean? So as to, as to opposed to being in the same home with the person that you're married to, you know the difference, and you, you dialogue every day on what's going on, and, 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 and you can see the, 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 uh, the back and forth. And it's harder for a child to play one against the middle if you're both there. That's, I, I would like to say that's exactly what we do here because we we we're a mixed family also um and the first thing I did I got on the same page with the step, with the uh with the with the with the children's dad mm. had to have that conversation well I'll tell you what I've been in that situation more than once and um it's a tough deal because generally um well at least what you know we we were the custodial parent and and the the um the parent that's not custodial um almost wants to you know let the kid do what they want to do mm-hmm. and and they don't you know everybody has a different way of of quote unquote you know disciplining and his way of discipline was you know I'm not saying nothing she can do what she wants to do I'm just going to buy what she wants it got to mm-hmm. the point that we had to tell him, we told him, you got to stop buying this child everything every time she comes to see you every couple of weeks. He, he's like, this is my money, I do what I want. I said, You're right, but this is our house, and if she, if you buy it, it's not coming in here. Mm-hmm. She would come that. home with bags of Nikes and bags of clothes every freaking two weeks when she would go see him. And it just yeah. got to a point, she'd walk in, and we'd, we'd actually have to have an, an attitude readjustment seminar yeah. Because she had attitude, she walked on with a, with a butt on her shoulders. Because yeah. she came from a place where there was no rules, and coming back, that, that, there was rules. That, that's what you call that's what you call supplementing material for uh, morals, for uh, parenting. You exactly. buy you buy you buy uh, gifts instead of giving knowledge or or, or or taking the time to find out what's really going on with the child. You know how they're doing in school and stuff like that. You just Oh, let's go shopping. Let's go buy this and buy that. You know what I mean? That, and, that, and that's a lot of stuff that's going on today, too. Like, people, instead of taking care of their kids, they're just taking their kids shopping or buying their kids whatever they want. You know what I mean? And then what happens What happens when you can't buy that kid everything or that kid gets grown and you say, well, I'm not buying you something anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. You know what I mean? What, what happens to that, that child's 
you know, how, how does that child respond to the real world when you talk about work ethic and stuff like that and earning? Like, I know when I was growing up, I had to earn stuff I wanted. And I had chores. I had things I had to do, grades I had to keep up. Everything was earned. You know what I mean? I got the bare necessities, the things that I needed. But if I wanted something extra, I had to earn that. I had to show that I was worthy of having that. That's like my kids. I'm, I think they, you know, they get allowance, you know, for doing their chores, and it's pretty basic. But you know, that my two old, I got a ten-year-old daughter and a six-year-old daughter, and um, they just talk too much, and they don't get the chores done. I mean, the, the bottom line is they, you know, like in the mornings, you know, getting ready for school, they have to play the piano. And this morning, um, I think we had. 13 minutes to spare, and I hadn't heard any tinkling on the piano. But then, And both of them have to play. You know, both of them have to practice. So, you know, give or take, it probably takes 40, 45 minutes for both of them. Um, the oldest probably should practice uh, 45 minutes by herself, but that's another story. But I was like, y'all got <laughs> 10 minutes left. I mean, the bus is coming in 10 minutes, and I have yet to hear any anything on the piano. And they, I just hear them talking. I'm like, y'all see the clock? And I try to get them to understand time, like take a look at the clock. Because before they had no clock in the bathroom, and they just talking and talking. I'm like, do y'all know y'all been in here talking for for an hour? You know. And now I got them a clock in their bathroom. Um, you know, it, it it helps out. But still, they, you know, like you said, I mean, they they have to earn their. They don't. They ain't made their allowance in probably two or three weeks now. They were good the first year, first couple of weeks of school, but, you know, now, you know, it's like whatever. But you, you, somebody talked about uh, materialism, and, you know, the topic for tonight is who's raising your kids. And are mass media marketers relentlessly pursuing our children? Trying yes. to imprint their, band, their, their brand on our kids as soon as Most they're fresh out the womb? Most definitely, I, I I believe so. I believe any anytime you're recruiting kids from Pop Warner, like I mean that's crazy. Like you're talking about Pop Warner football and PV, like you know AAU basketball at, at, at earliest ages ten and nine. You know that 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 is something that that is I mean unheard of when we were growing. No, when I was growing up, I know at least when we were growing up. And do y'all think that they're succeeding? Y'all think that the marketers exactly. are succeeding and grabbing grabbing a hold of our kids I believe, early? I believe so because, like I said, everybody's chasing that almighty dollar and that and that that lifestyle that quote unquote everybody wants to live: big house, nice cars. I mean, nothing wrong with all that stuff, but you know what I mean. If you have to trade principle and value for it, you know what I mean. I I, I can't see you know what I mean trading trading my 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 kids treating the way I raise my kids based on how I want to live my life monetarily. Good words. Good words. Anybody I mean, else? Where they want to go for lunch, and you can tell what mass marketing has done. <laughs> so they want to go to me. <laughs> I don't know how my kids, I, all three of mine, I didn't take them to McDonald's, but somehow, you know, when they started to talk, they were like, I want to go to McDonald's. I'm like, that's what? right. That's what they've heard from the jump. You turn yeah. the TV on, and that's what they hit them with. Now, now Not all the things are about, you know, a toy. You know, yeah. and and I mean, it, it was.
wasn't that way. Well, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, you know, cartoons were cartoons. It wasn't based on, you know, buying some toy. But is it, is it, is it, let me ask you this, is it mass media's fault or is it the generational uh, gap so far as now both parents working so they don't have time to cook every day? So instead of cooking, they're going to fast food restaurants or out to eat. So, 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 is it is it really the the advertisement of the that's getting to the kids, or is it the advertisement that's getting to the parents that's getting to the kids? Well, I definitely think that um, TV is raising is raising kids much more than it was when I was coming up. Especially when you you know you have a you know so much you know single parent family. When when I came up, I mean. I mean, I only knew one person that their, their parents were divorced, you know, mm-hmm. at least where I grew up. Now, where, where my wife grew up, it, when you, you know, it was, it, was, it was heavy. But where I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs, and everybody was, you know, had a mother and a father. I knew exactly. one that did not have a father in the house. It was just the way it was, you know, but that was, you know, 45 years ago. And and it was in the suburbs. My wife grew up the same time period, and she grew up in the G Hetto, and nobody had a father. Mm. The G Hetto. <laughs> ghetto. That's the heavy ghetto. I mean, that's well, as beef. A, but as a parent, guys, um, do do y'all do y'all sometimes feel overwhelmed? And trying to shield your children from this, you know, this toxic environment that we live in today with the branding oh, and man, everything is in your face. Go ahead. Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I know from my family, I was watching uh, SpongeBob, and I'm a big, like, I don't like SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob is, uh, I don't know if you ever watched it. I think it has homosexual uh, subliminal messages inside, like, you know, in the cartoon. So I, I'm not a big fan of SpongeBob. Like, I don't like, you know, I have a five-year-old, and I don't like her watching it. You know, me and her mom struggles back and forth with with that. But yeah, you know, I just I just feel like that cartoon. Homosexual cartoon. Huh? Is it SpongeBob that's the homo, or is it the other one? But I think both of them are homos. I think they're, they're both <laughs> dated. You know, my kids love SpongeBob, my... and I never noticed that. You never you know, noticed like a like, star. I'm telling you, you I, I really don't like. Them. I don't know why. You know, I, I try to turn them on to Tom and Jerry, the real cartoons. Um, right, I don't right. know why they like SpongeBob, but they watch it, and you know, I'm just like. I'm just saying, like that's a, that's another thing too. Like I uh, I watch cartoons, right? And I and and maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I was watching Scooby Doo one day, and I just thought of, I said, man, I think Scooby Doo uh, and the gang were hippies, and they pop acid, and that's why. They saw ghosts all the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 like if you look Jack at it, their van, was, <laughs> their, their, van, their van was called the Mystery Machine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you, you watch too much I know, cartoons, AT. You I, I read into this be. stuff a little I, bit too much. I, I, I think I might be. I, I just believe that, I, I believe that these people that make, because you got to remember, adults are making these cartoons, not kids. Right. So they're they're making these cartoons with an adult mindset. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you gotta, you know, that that's just something I look at. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be reading into it too much. You know what I mean? But you know, I just see, our, our cartoons cartoon. were full of violence. 
I mean, yeah. who, who watched the road running the coyote? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't me. How many, how many times do you smack your brother upside the head with a with a broom or, or something like that? <laughs> I remember one time, and this this may not be accurate or not, but I remember one time I was fighting with my older brother, and we were just kind of play fighting, and my dad was asleep on the couch. And um, it was a Saturday afternoon, you know, uh, we were just kind of chilling in the house or whatever, and we were kind of wrestling around in the middle of the floor. And um, I remember calling my brother a bastard. I was like, you silly bastard or whatever. And my dad woke up, like one of his eyes opened. And I got that from, I thought what I thought. I I think I remember getting that from Yosemite Sam. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if he ever said that, but that's where, you know, in my mind, that's where I recall, I think Yosemite used to call people a bastard. And I was calling my brother, mm-hmm. you know, like use, you know, because he, yo, Simply Sam used to have some, the, some, the, some the, wild the, talk. Is, that the, one, is so. that the one that said you rascally wabbit? Maybe you saying wabbit? No, no, no. The guy with the red uh, mustache in the hat. He was. Oh a, yeah, was that's, a, that's the, who, who was the one that said rascally wabbit? Is that which one was that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, yeah, yo, Sam had the red mustache. Yeah. yeah, with the hat. I remember with the two guns. Oh, you yeah, talking about with the two guns. Leghorn. Leghorn. Leghorn talk like that. Okay. If, if, if I may ask something, stuff. guys, uh, in terms of the cartoons which are popular with our kids, it, I think it's we cannot shield them from that because it's an opportunity for as a parent to have a conversation with them. If we don't have a conversation with them at home, they're going to be exposed outside, and they're probably not going to be prepared for uh, what they're going to be exposed to because their mm. friends may be uh, watching those cartoons, uh, SpongeBob, and they maybe have, you know, starting to have a SpongeBob uh, talking point or whatever the case may be, but it's our opportunity to prepare our kids before they get so, out and then so let, let me, get exposed to the, to the other uh, uh, things outside. So I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna use this analogy. So basically, what you're saying is, is treat it like a flu vaccine. You give them enough to to make them immune to to the BS that's within the cartoon because you're discussing it with them. So that, that's basically what you're saying, right? Right. Yeah. You know, there's some kind of. Right. If we find there's a BS in the cartoons, if we find there's things that are inappropriate in a cartoon, so we can have a conversation with our kid and say, this is inappropriate, this is not, an, I'm not expecting this from you. Mm. So therefore, our kid will be prepared. And, mm. and you know, I, I, I'm not, I try not to shield my daughter from popular things, but, uh, and then we can have a conversation. You know, if this happens, this is not what I expect from you. So our kids is more better prepared. And this is like maybe off the subject, of just, a, just a tad, but not off the subject, because Halloween is right around the corner, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how many of you guys, how many of you guys take your children trick-or-treating or engage in some type of Halloween activity? I've I, I taken my daughter for the like past five years. You said you, you you took her out to Halloween? Yeah, I take her out. And I'm going out this year, but this time my wife is doing it, but on protection. Uh, <laughs> so, no, so, don't so, so don't right bring up. your handgun. 
<laughs> no, no, no. I had a funny. I had a funny Rodney, you know what I'm old. I know. My my ahead, my brother. thought was my thought process was this right. I because I I grew up and don't don't judge me, but my dad, my mom grew up Joe's Witnesses, so we never celebrated holidays. Period. Anyway, growing up, Hall- Halloween, birthdays, Christmas, none of that. We never celebrated that stuff. But my thought process was the other day I was talking to my fiance and she was saying, yeah, I'm gonna take you know, all out for trick or treating and stuff, and I said, well. Don't we always tell our kids don't take candy for strangers? <laughs> and then you go take them to take candy from strangers. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> isn't that like the biggest? It's like an oxymoron. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, don't take candy from strangers. But only on this day it's cool. You dress up and we go to strangers' house and you take all types of candy. Don't worry about it. It's good. All <laughs> in. And they like, know. <laughs> And the strangers for you coming. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? like, uh, so that was that was that was just a funny thought I had the other day, and I just wanted to share it because it was I I found it amusing. I was like, okay, I don't get it, yeah. but okay. But to your question, I know that you know, growing up, I did celebrate Halloween, um, hmm. and I celebrated it probably too long. I think I was in the eighth or ninth grade, you know, going around trying to get candy, looking stupid, um, <laughs> but. You know, my children. Did you have a bow tie on? Uh, did, did you go around saying, I'm dressed up as a... He got jokes. He said, did I have a bow tie on? Wow. Did you have a bow tie on? <laughs> no. I had to get you. I had to get you. That's cool. But, you know, my children, my three children, um, they have never gone uh, trick-or-treating on Halloween. And the kids on my block mm-hmm. know, you know, I, I cut my light off, um, you know, my porch light on Halloween night. You know, I don't answer the door, but now they don't. I've been, you know, in the neighborhood for a while, so they don't even knock on my door for the most part unless they're new to the to the street. But they know that uh, Mr. Rodney ain't got no candy. He ain't opening the door. He don't celebrate Halloween. And, you know, so my kids, the, the church, our, our church does an alternative, as Andrew was speaking about earlier, the harvest party. So, you know, they'll dress up in a, in a I think they're going as angels. Um, okay. And, yeah, my son, uh, you know, I got him a little outfit, but that's that's what they'll do. They'll do like an alternative, uh, you know, party, and they'll get they'll get candy, you know, and everything. So it's um, you know, but no pools and goblins, that's what I'm saying. Exactly, right? and I and I think that's uh, I think that's actually pretty good. That's that's actually what, what we're doing with my stepdaughter. Well, she's going to dress up, but not nothing demonic, nothing scary. You know, something very appropriate for her age. First of all, she's five, so something very appropriate for her age and we're going to try to limit the amount. If, if we take her to different houses, we're going to try to find, either throw a party here or find a party of friends and family and stuff like that to go to and celebrate or whatever. But, yeah, I, and I think that's good because you don't want to totally alienate your kid from having that, 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 that fun as everybody else is doing.
Say it, say it again. I got a monkey ranch statement. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, good brother, go ahead. The Talk name of this on. topic is who is raising your kids, and um, and really we think we are. If we, you know, even if all of us on this phone, we we good guys, we go to church, we we raise our family, we 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 with our baby mamas, most of us, and and if we're not, we're still taking care of our responsibility. But the question is. Who's raising your kids? And I've been in a situation firsthand where I experienced government is raising my children. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, say, say again now. No, I was I was agreeing with you actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that. Um, these kids got down to they got down to a attack or a detail that they can call if they get a bruise. They can call a number. And if they have a bruise from their parent hitting them or spanking them anywhere on their butt, legs, arms, back, chest, anywhere, if they have a bruise, an investigation will be open on the parent. I've just went through a four-month trial because I spanked my daughter for being disrespectful to my wife. Uh, it was a bruise because... She put her hand, I think I think I said this before, but she put her hand in a place where I was supposed to have been hitting her butt trying to, you know, protect her behind, and a bruise, the belt hit her hand, hit the back of her hand. And when she went to school, she claimed that a teacher saw it, and it was on and popping from there. Uh, my name is in the FBI database. Um, my job has contacted me. Uh, I have been issued an official warning because of my clearance level. If this happens again, then I could they could go to the next level or even fire me. So I'm under the control right. of the government when it comes down to discipline. Now, my kids have been raised getting their behind with me, but this particular time, one bruise, visible bruise, got me all in that trouble. So who's raising our kids? The government has set a standard for how we do what we do in our household when it comes to our kids. And I agree totally because, first of all, you don't even have custody of your kids when they're born. You have to go and get custody of your kids. A lot of people don't know that, that when your child is born, you even though your name is on the birth certificate, you still don't have custody of your kids. Your, your kid is still uh, a ward of the state, if, if I'm not mistaken. Until until, cu- until custody is like say like say like if me if we're not married, uh, me and my wife are not married, or me and my fiance are not married, and we have a kid, that kid nobody has custody over that kid. That way, if I walk away with the kid, they can't do anything. If she walks away with the kid, they can't do anything. We both have to go down to the court and file for custody, for custodial for custodial uh, for to be the custodial parent. You have to file for that. That's not something that's automatically given. Hmm. That's new. Like that's something that's yeah. That, that, and I only I only know because going through uh, child support and stuff like that, and, and uh, hearings like that. Once that you have to go through that, you have to file. You have to establish custody and and uh, paternity. And my. Uh, my son's mother one day she tried to take my son and say, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna let you see him, blah blah blah. She took him in and I couldn't do anything. They said, well, 
technically he he's neither one of you have custody, so we can't do anything because nobody has established custody. You have to establish custody. You have to go to through the courts to do that to establish custody. You have to go through the courts and file for custody of your own child. He's like, well, that's where well, he's like, well, respect. And whoever goes there first, and it's kind of like whoever gets to the to the uh, exact, exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's basically what it is. Yeah, go ahead, classic. What's up, man? Yeah, yeah, respectfully, do you think that would have happened if if you had had possession of the child? Do you think they would have told the mother that they couldn't afford it? Well, I have, a, I have custody of both of my children. I have custody of both of them, and they was talking what I call their stepmother, as the world call it. Their their stepmother, my, my daughter got snazzy with my, my wife. That's her stepmother, and, wow. um, and, and, it, and it went downhill from there, and... Um, and I mean, I've been. They, they've been coming to the house every week. The last last week was the lady's last week coming here, and she had to basic basically give uh, her synopsis of what she thought about the family. When she when, when she put down, she just believed it was an isolated incident. But I was still um, previously before all of that happened, I was already found guilty, and um, and went to court. Their little court, their little child support court thing, I mean, child CPS uh, court thing, Child Protective Services Court, and uh, and but I didn't know they had access to a, a database. I can never work in the school. I tried to get a, I wow. was looking at a school teacher up here at, a, you know, just not a school teacher, but they need assistance up there, and they were going to pay me $50,000 just to show my face up in the classroom to help out. They right. checked, uh, they checked that database, and they was like, oh, you in the system for this. I say, wow. And the reason why I was going to go, you know, just to look at this second job was because, you know, I was just trying to, um, this new Obamacare, we have to pay, pay 6000 up front into our account. So I was just going to get enough money just to put in there all cash and just sit it in there until, you know, for the next thing. But they told me that I was found in a database and I could, I, I could not come to their school and teach or teach nowhere in PG County because that, that is in my record. I said, I got a record? And I didn't know that. I thought it was, I thought it was an isolated incident. That's so, and, and the only reason I ask that is because, gentlemen, um, I, I, and you guys reveal so much. So as a single guy, I'll I, I, I reveal this, this portion about me. I'm forced to pay for a child that isn't mine, that I had no idea existed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the child popped up at 15, and... The mother, needing some money, went to the government and did X, Y, Z. And how I found out, one day I went to my bank account and it had, it had been seized by the government. No letter, no nothing. So I'm yeah. under the impression, especially from hearing from you guys, see, I think that they do this mainly to, to, to men. Like right now I have to sue the mother. So it took me an extra three years to recoup from that season of my bank account and the recession to even get the money to fight. So, uh, you, you know, these, these, you know, the reason I asked that question was to learn because for me it's been a different experience. I look at it as they give these ladies all the, all the wide open, whatever, whatever. I wasn't there for the birth. 
I wasn't there for anything. Uh, I met, I was dating a young young lady uh, at back in the, in those days. We broke up respectfully. Was no argument. Uh, used to see her all the time. Hey, how you doing? No sleeping with her. Um, hadn't been with the girl for almost nine nine months, and then she busts out and says, "Well, I had a baby premature three months ago, huh?" So you had a baby Well, no problem. Let me get a blood test. She disappears with the child for 15 years. Mm. So she was. And, you know, hey, didn't have no legal papers to it because I wasn't there during the birth. Now all of a sudden she need money, she pop up, and they put me on the hook for it. So, you, you, you know, I mean, hey. Well, did she, so did, so, her, so let, me ask, let me ask you this. When, when uh, she popped up and she applied for a child support, they didn't they didn't contact you first, brother. Here's what they did. They sent a letter to a place I used to stay, and because that person who I did not know accepted the mail, they considered me served. So now what I have to do is reopen that old case, spend money because this is in a totally different state. I'm in Atlanta. This is in California. My parents couldn't even go down there and get the paperwork for me because they blocked them. They they treated them so rude. Well, this case is already done, you know, just all that type of stuff. So I had to fly out there the whole nine. So it's, it's it's been a ridiculous journey. But meanwhile, this little girl is siphoning my money out of my every check I make. And, you know, the child ain't even mine, DNA says. But now i got to reverse it. And it's, so it's, it's ridiculous. You said every crazy. check you make? Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah, she gets garnishing your wages, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking that, that Bobby Brown song. Every little check used I to, make. Oh, go, go I used to work for a company. I was. In, I used to work. I used to work for a company when I was in high school, a uh, private company, uh, and that's what we did. We would go after guys uh, for their money, and um, basically, it didn't matter if the guy was actually the father or not. Although, and the baby, could, the kid could be like thirty something years old. Uh, the woman could just come in there and say, his name is Bob, and he got a tattoo. Go find him. And we would go find him. Now, the the, the reason why it's so aggressively pursued is, is is one of the reasons is the state get a kickback. Exactly. They get a percentage. And so they are, they are in bed with these private firms that they provide these contracts for. Mm-hmm. So these firms, they're not the contract that they have with the states, they're not required to go after the dad. They just go after whoever the woman accuses. And they put proof the person that is accused. And so that that's it's it's it, it it's really something else. And so if they, it really if they tend to go after those guys who have something on the ball who's trying to make something of themselves. They really go really hard after those guys. But why can how can they go after the guy without proving anything, even after, I mean, because I would think that... The only proof they need is the woman to see you're the father. The, woman's the, 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 same way, the same way you can get arrested by somebody saying, uh, he smacked me upside the head and nobody was there to see it, but they said it. That's it. You can still get arrested. That's the same way. No proof and, other than that person saying, yeah, he smacked me. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's kind of like you're convicted and you have to unprove it. This is then, this is the side that we live in. I mean, so, and, and that's why I tell a lot of people, like, 
people understand the way the system is, like the way the system is set up, it's designed to not, but first to drive a wedge in between uh, families and, and, and mothers and fathers of children. That, that's exactly why you would pay somebody else more money than you would pay an actual mother to take care of their child. You know what I'm saying? Like if a mother applies for help, they give her X amount of dollars. Now, if that child goes into foster care and a foster mother parents that child, they give that foster mother way more money than they give a mother, a biological mother, money to take care of their child a month. Mm. You know what I mean? So why would you give somebody else more money? So you're telling me it costs more. So basically you, you say it costs this much to raise a child. So you give that mother that, that amount. But then when that child goes into foster care, which is the system, which is people that's handpicked by the government, handpicked by, you know saying, people, they go through a process, screening process or whatever, handpicked by our government to raise a child. You pay them more money to raise a child. Mm-hmm. That's why so I always say. So, so, so it's a, and, and my thought process is because these are breeding grounds for people. Uh, when you talk about talk about youth and stuff like that, these are breeding grounds for people to people that have no no way out and feel like they have no way out. So what do they do? They end up going into the military. They end up going into you know what I mean, uh, uh, you know, to uh, help the government in in a certain amount of ways. You know what I mean? Because most of the time, or they, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 to me, it's like they they're breeding they're breeding puppets. Well, but what 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 happens what happens to the child in all this when you when you got this um this person trying to raise them this way and you got government interference and you got foster care interference and you got uh somebody who was supposed to have been the paper check daddy that found out that he wasn't the daddy, what does that teach the child? It, well it, it, well it does nothing for the standpoint. The the uh, jail the, the the jails are privatized now, and they're on the stock market. And yep. counties are guaranteeing occupancy. There's your answer. And, and guess what? And, and guess what? Guess what? It's like it's like ra- a farmer raising cattle. That that's what that's what the the that's what the the child you breeding you're breeding basically inmates for to fill your jails so you can get money. It's a, it's a slave trade. It's a, it's a modern day slave trade. There is there is no more dope on the streets. Well, why can I get child support from my from my grandson's parents and my 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 baby's mamas? You know, why can I get child support? Because it, and and on top of that, anytime I submit my child or my children in for any sports or any schools or anything, I have to show. ID three ways. If their mom take them to the school, I mean, I took my grand, I I went to go get my grandson out of school just to take him to an appointment at the doctor, and she asked to see. She told me I wasn't on the list, which I knew I signed the paperwork uh, when I with the first day of school. She said I wasn't on the list. Uh, she had to go get three people to verify who I was, and I had to provide two different identities. And she told me to fill out some paperwork. A mother comes and I, and and I did all I complied, and a mother right after me came in and said, "Hey, I'm hey, Miss So and So," and maybe it's because she comes all the time. But I'm like, "Why are you pointing me out?" I mean, if I wasn't, and I told her this, I said, 
if I was, if you you want these kids to have a father that's not a deadbeat, but then a father comes in that's not a deadbeat. You well, you probably if I was the grandfather, but I come in and <laughs> you you probably don't think that, that you know I am the daddy or the grandfather or whatever the case is. But you're giving me a hard time. But you know that they need a father. But you you're not even acknowledging the fact when one come in, you treating them like he he's he's already guilty. Well, why? Well, why should they? When, when, they, when most of them want to treat Father's Day as the single Mother's Day now, and why mm-hmm. should they? You know, now that could have been a precaution thing. Yeah, true. But I've seen lesbians who are just girlfriends of a, a, a of somebody come and pick up children. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, all you got to do. All you gotta do is look at society and how they celebrate Mother's Day versus Father's Day. Like, I mean, you know, what I mean? and that's been for as long as I can remember. It's a big deal made about Mother's Day, but it's not a big deal made about Father's Day. I just made the point uh, earlier. Remember the bishop that took a that that took a nice, polite bath with his granddaughter, and his daughter was taking the picture. Now, whether you yep. agree or disagree with that, we got. Several commercials of women doing that. We got mm. a, a, a gay blogger right now doing that with his child, but nobody <laughs> gets upset. But when it's a guy, particularly a urban male, it's a it's an issue. So, you know, like you said, you want us to be involved with these children, but then you allow these games to be played at the children's expense. Right. Because because for real, they don't want you to be involved. They don't want a strong male presence in the household. For real. They don't want that. Especially not an African American male presence. Strong Oh yeah, that's wrong with him if he is. Really? <laughs> they don't want they don't want to see that. They don't want to see that that at all. You know what I mean? I have an issue with certain certain movies and stuff like that because I have an issue with Tyler Perry dressing up like a woman. You know what I mean? I have an issue when I see uh, strong African American men dress up like women. You know what I mean? That to me, that 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 is feeding the the, the homosexual tendencies for children. They think it's funny. They think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting observations, fellas. But these are these are quote unquote role models. Like you know what I mean? Like people that we put. You know what I mean? We we celebrate as successful black men. You know what I mean? Which they are successful. They are black. And the question is, are they are men by biological parts? You know what I mean? But you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but are they men? How can we? How can we uh, change that persona of of a man or? Um, or a man that's trying to raise his kids or trying to do the right thing, except for automatically looked upon as being the person that's lying or that's not really the father he wants to. And I told the lady, what man do you know that want to kidnap a kid? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to kidnap anybody. If if, if that was the case, ma'am, trust me. (laughs) <laughs> you, know, you, you. I mean, you'll be trying to find me like you trying to find all these now, other fathers in here. Now, now that 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 situation, I'm kind of like on the fence with that because 
if something happened and, and your child was affected by something that happened and there was a lapse in security, then the first thing would be, well, who was who? What was security doing? What, what you know? What kind of security right. was at the school? You know what I mean? So, right. so that that you have to kind of like be on the fence about. Because but I mean, I mean, I, I understand I it. It's my first time coming there, but that was to on a field trip because I have a record. So I can't like because I can't even get clearance to go to a school and go out on a field trip with her school because I have a record. Which which hurt, which hurt me because I'm like this is my child. Like I want to take. Might be able to spend time with my child and take her out. I don't want to do anything. I don't have a, a record based on hurting children. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I have a record nonetheless. So you know what I'm saying? They kind of group you into um, the the box of deadbeats just because you got a, a record for stealing a piece of bubble gum or tax evasion or something. So you yeah, telling me that since you 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 hear the word record, that means that equates to deadbeat. I'm not saying not from not from me, but that's what that's basically what, what they're saying is you can't do this or you can't do that. Like you're not a you can't come to within the school, you know what I mean, and go out on a trip with the school. You can't be a chaperone, basically. The uh, they to me, I felt like a pedophile. I'm like I don't have a record dealing with messing with children. You know what I mean? Wow. Like you know what I mean? I don't you know what I, mean? I don't have any record like that. It, it's not necessarily violent. It's just you know what I mean. Have a conviction, but it's, it's 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 not pertaining to what we're talking about. You know what I mean? But yet, a couple of years ago, when the foster mom was already told that she was abusing these children, they put them back in the arms of the foster mom, and they found the kids in the freezer or something like that. Remember that? Because because, because that's a government institute. That's a, that's a government yeah. entity. Like you said, they get money for. Put for to fund foster homes, and the only way you keep getting funding is to have kids in the foster home. Okay, right. so that goes back to the first point. That's why the government is raising our kids. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, because it's, it's, it's all it's not. They're not raising our kids. They're breeding our kids. They're breeding them to collect dollars. You know what I mean, to me, your social security want, number is, is 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 more than your social security number. It's an insurance policy number for real. For real. That's what your that's what your social security number is. But I wanted to answer the question directly on how you fix it. Uh, more males need to start uh, going to some of these funding sites for imagery, movies, and campaigns that have to do with black fathers. I know three three people that are trying to make black male documentaries. You know, even if you can only contribute $20, help that guy reach his goal. The other thing mm-hmm. is uh, each gentleman, even on this phone, uh, and I've done this, I created a side business of just going, just being a uh, mentor for hire for a mm-hmm. kid on the weekend. Twice mm-hmm. a weekend, I got like two or three kids. Two of them I do uh, over the phone, but just they they need some type of male interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I'm not going to reveal with mom, and they can just experience that type of scenario. So they mm-hmm. so. Those are two quick, immediate ways to make impact in, you know, maybe two to fourteen young young guys' lives is, is that way. But you know, household stress been on on on. So, on so that goes back to uh, that goes back to our point earlier. Sorry, not to cut you off. Sorry about that. So that ahead, goes back to our point earlier. It does take a village. It does take a village for what to raise a kid. Right, because you just said 
based on how do you affect change, and you affect change by getting other people involved, mentors, uh, other positive role models that are men involved in, 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 in the raising of other young men. That might not be their father or, or biological oh, well, father. That's that's a stand in. That's that's a that's not a solution. That is a that's right, right. a that's say something that hey this dude don't have no mentor and if he keep going the way he going he gonna end up in jail. So that's a well you know, maybe if he had a little mentor or see a man in his life instead of seeing all these women or seeing all these pimps and hustlers, maybe if he seen somebody with some sense, then maybe he can stir. So now we just gonna stir the pot a little bit and just put somebody with some positive, uh, positive uh, backgrounds to have some kind of influence on this little kid because we don't want to lose him to the street. Well, not a solution, just a, a, a synopsis of looking at a, a child's life and saying, this is what he don't got, so let's just add that to his life. Let me suggest this along that line of thinking. You know, many of us have ran into that one guy that we never saw again, or maybe we saw occasionally, who gave us some some male knowledge that we remembered years later. So I think it's a little bit more than a stand-in because what we have now is a lot of these young dudes have no access. Right. Like their only access is other dudes they age. I, I mentored a, a 28-year-old, you guys, uh, probably like a year ago. My man didn't even know what a resume was. Mm. But look, at age, look at what no, age no. you had to to get his mind wrapped into understanding or getting to get him to the point where he can listen to you. I mean, you you try to talk to a sixteen or seventeen year old that hasn't have a, had a male figure in his life outside of his hustling friends. <clears throat> you in for you in for a shock of your life because you I if you don't get you not to believe that. I implore you not to believe that because I used to be that guy. So I implore you not to believe that. My suggestion to you, and I'm not trying to cut you. I'm just trying to share. My mm-hmm. suggestion to you is these guys listen more than you think, but not initially. I give you that. But they listen more than you think. I used to be, uh, I first started off as an honor student. I'll be real quick. I first started off as an honor student, some household issues and what have you. Next thing you know, I'm selling dope and shooting guns. But even now, I remember the guys who tried to give me knowledge that surpassed the streets. And because of them, I left the streets with no record. How long did you take? Because I know you, they didn't say it and you just did it. Oh, no, no, no. no. It took like a year or two, maybe even four in some other cases. But does, but what that, does that deter is, you from trying it? From, yeah, but see, but see respectfully, I, I understand you, you want the immediate turnaround. What I'm suggesting oh, I'm ta- is, I don't want the immediate turnaround. I'm just letting you know what you're going to get face value. You When when you try to tell a kid, like I remember when a, when an old person walked by, nobody, if you're selling drugs or you're cursing or you're doing something you ain't got no business doing, everybody popped tall. It don't matter if it was 50 guys. Now they just continue to curse. I went to my kid's school today. I mean, they see somebody that's uh, elder in front of them, their face, he's talking about sucking this and doing that to some. You know what? 
Because the elder keeps walking and, no, and nobody says anything anymore. Right. And, 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 that's why. And, and on, yeah, and, and on top of that, the elder has been the enemy for the past 20 years. I mean, I, I'm not trying to give them excuse, but, I mean, you got to understand, a lot of these dudes have never had nobody who ever cared. That was so elder. that's what I'm asking. How do you reverse that? How do you reverse that thought process? Because this America is going going someplace that we don't want to go. You reverse it, you reverse it by not show, by showing them the, the exact opposite. You show them that you do care. That's the, that's the only way you can reverse it. They don't the care way. if you care or not. They don't care but if no, you care. That's not, that's not, that's not you true. Yeah, draw I, 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 I think I, I know what I, you're saying, Darren. And one thing that I work with teenagers and young adults all the time and you know, we talked about the past, and now we're going to talk about the present. But I know what works for me is that you have to build rapport first. First, right. Uh, in conjunction with, you know, kind of showing them the right road. You can't really walk up on them the first time you meet them and say, pull your pants up, man. Right. That's, that's not going to work. And I, I deal with kids all the time, and I just dap them up like, what's going on, man? And, you know, maybe the third or fourth time I might be like, yo, you know, can you pull your pants? And then they respect me. So you got to go in a different way where your first thing is to almost, and I'm not saying be their friend, but you have to show yourself friendly and not necessarily you, coming and, in. You need to do and, this. You need to stop doing this, boy. And then you know, they're you not going to respond a, to that. Yeah, and you can't have, you can't have a, a do what I say attitude. Like you, have to, you have to show them why it's in their best interest to yeah. do certain things. You can't just go in there and say do this because I'm older than you and I know better than you. You have to show them why it's in their best interest. You have to give them uh, a factual basis or, or, or point out to them, even if there's stories within yourself that you have, your own stories that you can give or share that, that, that help them understand why it's in their best interest. You know what I mean? Whether, whether it's showing them, hey, you know, I know somebody just like used to be just like you and, and this will happen to him, blah, blah, blah. And I, and, I, and I could talk about it because my father raised so many people, like so many young dudes, that were in the streets heavy, like rough dudes. And and he and he made sure that he gave them a place to come to and feel secure in, which was his home. He cooked home, you know, took him, they spent the night over, you know what I mean? And he showed them a different side of a uh, 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 black, black man. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a lot of them, he, he, he passed not too long ago. He passed last month. And, 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 and people got up and said things at his funeral was like, you know, if it wasn't for him showing me, you know, how what it was to be a man, I wouldn't know how to raise my kids. You know what I'm saying? So you have to, like, you have to, you have to want to engage yourself with these young. You have to want to be a part of their life, even if it takes the first time you get rejected. How many times you got rejected by that girl you like, but you kept going after? Exactly. You know what I'm <laughs> so exactly. you can't give you can, so you 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 can't give up on 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 the children because that's our future. Eventually, you're gonna be old. You know what I mean? And guess what? Guess who's gonna have to take care of you? Those kids that you gave up on. And let me point out something of uh, some something that you said. You said it used to be where when when the elders came by, the kids used to straighten up. Okay, just mm-hmm. like the brother said. Okay, they're gonna straighten up for who? You see what I'm saying? To them, they're straightening up because you want them to straighten up. But just like the brother said, you would you you would need to explain to them why they should straighten up. Exactly. Yeah. So so therein lies the thing. 
you know, I, I guarantee, bro, go in, uh, which which you're probably already doing, it, but go to some of the hard hoods, man, and just volunteer for one one Saturday out of a month for some cats who you ain't worked with before. Hey, I can't do that because now I got a record for beating my, not a record, but I've been around. Listen, listen, you don't have to go to a structure of government you can do. You don't have to go to a structured environment to do that, though. I grew up in Southeast D.C., and I do that every day. Hey, Derek. Derek, I help you out with that real quick. You don't have to have the people in PG County are just giving you a quick answer. You don't have to have a background check as long as you're on school property and there is a teacher or a principal there. No, to get to collect a check and then to actually hire you, you do. Check. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I was just saying, but for mentoring, you don't have to have a background check. Uh, no, the reason why I was um, the, the mentoring thing, I was like trying to look at it. And they and and these kids, I seen them disrespect. The dude got a badge on, and he's disrespecting them, talking to him like he ain't nothing. So I'm like, if one of these kids was to talk to me like this, I don't know if I, I'm not built that way to accept that and try to continue to have a normal adult conversation with somebody who's cussing me out. I, I'm not built that way. So if I was to touch. This 18-year-old that's in school, that's really grown, but since he's in school, they consider him a child. Now I'm on the hook for another child case. Hmm. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. want to put myself in that situation, right? Especially right now, it's, it's just cooling off. You know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, I was just trying to just talk to one. I was just talking to one fellow, and he was talking to me like he was my age, but he was cursing in his language. He was like. Man, f these hoes, and I mean, I'm like, and I'm not, I wasn't laughing, but I was looking at him. Oh, hold on. Hello. Not yeah, me. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Now I was just looking at him like, do you understand that I'm not your age? Do you understand that we're not equal? And he was speaking to me as if I was one of those little cats running around the school and i just kind of walked away from him like okay well thanks you know i just asked you what a cafeteria was and and you was talking about this and you went back to your regular conversation as if i was nobody yeah but y'all are talking about uh mentoring and i'm glad we're talking about this now and tying into um my brother at said that his father passed recently is that correct, A.T.? I think we lost him. Um, but I want to drop a monkey wrench. Did anybody hear the story of Scott Shoemaker? Scott Shoemaker. Did anybody hear the story of no, Scott? No, man. I hit the fucking... Hello? Oh, he's back. He's back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anybody, did anybody hear the story of Scott Shoemaker of Wisconsin? Anybody hear that story from two weeks ago? Yes, no, maybe so. No, no I never heard that. Okay. Well, I'll tell you briefly about Mr. Shoemaker. On Saturday, October 19th, Scott was killed in a car accident. Now, ironically, fellas, this was the exact same day that me and you we're hanging out, partying it up with RG3 at our 2013 Marriage Communication Challenge at, at the harbor. Uh, most of you were there. 
Um, some of you have to get in on the next one. But Scott's three children, Mr. Shoemaker's three children, his 12- and 16-year-old daughters and his 14-year-old son were also in the car with him, but all three of the children survived. Wow. So here's the question. Who's raising your kids if something were to happen to you? Have you ever thought about that? Who's going to be that stand-in? Who's going to be the mentor when you're in a box? I don't think too. Uh, I don't think too many Isn't that what you're supposed to appoint God first? Yeah. Yeah, but you know, people people appoint anybody to be godparents, but I don't think they appoint godparents with the with the impression that if something were to happen to me, you're going to raise my children. Well, did you think people think think that secure godparents on that premise, Rodney? I think most people uh, have a feeling of invincibility anyway until something happens to someone close to them, so they don't even plan for something like that. Because most of the time they don't even want to think about something like that happening. Exactly. And that was my question. Like, have you thought about, okay, Mr. Shoemaker died in an accident the same day we were at the conference. Have you thought about who's going to raise your kids? Or will it just be your wife? Will she just do it herself? Or will there be some people, some standings, some mentors, some elders? Who Who's going to... You know, y'all talked about the village earlier. Who's going to help raise your kids? I don't know. Have you ever seen uh, the movie um, with, uh, what's the girl's name? I don't know. With, with, I forgot the name of it. But uh, where uh, they're, they're, they were godparents and their best friends passed away. And then the, uh, they appointed the two godparents. In the will, they appointed the two godparents to take over. For the, the little girl, I, I can't think of the name of the movie, but I watched, I watched it a couple times. It was a good movie, and uh, they actually had that written into their will that, that the godparents were to take over as parents, duties as parents for that child. So that's a, that's a very good question. I think you gotta start like making sure you make plans, not just for your children, but for everything. You know, in, in, in case of an untimely death or denial. Exactly. Now, you, your father passed. Now, did, I mean, were you y'all expecting him to pass? No, it was all of a sudden. Right. Thank God, all of all all of his kids, well, all of my brother, me and my brothers were grown. They had families of their own. I had my own family, but we were all grown. You know, but um, if, if something would have happened before that, you know. He didn't have anything in place to say, you know, I guess it would have fell back on my mom. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of people are not suitable. I don't think, uh, I mean, uh, I had to go be at the hospital today with my wife, but it's only one guy that can, you know, hold my grandson down because anybody else, he just tear the club up on. But it's one guy in particular that he respects enough to not try certain things just like he wouldn't with me. And uh, and I think that we need to have more of those people because it used to be back in the day, you know, okay, my daddy don't is somebody who I'm not going to play with and my grandmother is somebody who I'm not going to play with. We don't even have that nowadays. And that's yeah. a frustration. But that, Go ahead. I mean, that, 
is that because of the, the age the age of the grandparents now are getting younger? So you got what you call the uh the hip hop grandmas and and the uh you know, the grandmas that want to be cool instead of instead of being grandmas or big mamas or you know. So so then you have the grandmas that are partnering with the, the kids instead of raising the kids. Yeah, I mean, it, it 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 attributes to that as well as number one, the fathers not being in place. You know, the the fathers make a huge stamp on these kids, and, and more than we give credit to, more than society give credit to, and then by the fathers being there, the respect to the mothers and grandmothers is going to automatically kick in because they're going to be afraid to disrespect the grandmothers because the fathers and grandfathers. Would be they don't want them to call him like you said earlier. You don't want to call daddy. Up. I'm gonna sum it up in that shit. Point blank, plain and simple. When you mess with God's structure, you mess with you, you. You can't have success if you mess with God. And God's structure is man, head of the household, woman taking care and rearing the children, and, and that and that is the structure of the home supposedly. When you when you start messing with that. You start changing God's plan. You start messing up. Period. You can't. You can't mess around with something that has already been implemented by a higher being. But it's being messed with, and it is. It is a, a serious, serious problem. And you know, and I and I often sit up and say, you know, um, when people ask me, well, how you got your kids, and how you can get them so respectful, I'm like, well, I can. First of all, I got to get them to be that way at home. But if I can't do that, I, I still may. I have to be able to the point, even though I'm in the kind of situation I'm in, I still got to maintain a, a level of control so it just won't get out of control. Mm-hmm. But now I find myself just cruising along just to, you know, bare minimum, not too close to the edge. You know, hey, I don't got to feed you if I don't want to. I just give you some peanut butter and without the jelly sandwiches and, you know, chicken hot of beef hot dogs, you know, stuff like that. But I don't want to have to do that kind of punishment when when uh, it should be fear. It should be the fact that I'm daddy, not the fear mm-hmm. that I'm going to hurt them, but the fear mm-hmm. that I need to listen to my father. Fear. My father, yeah. And there, you my, said father used to, my father used to say all the time to me, he said, I brought you in this where I take you out. You know what I mean? Yeah. That means all of our parents probably used to say that. You know what I mean? Yep. I think it's lost because we gave it away as parents. We started giving our kids too many choices, too many options. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, okay, this is what it is, this is what it's going to be, this is what my rules and regulations are, and you're going to follow those. Am I yes mean yes? Am I no mean no? That means once I say no, don't ask me again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not changing my mind. Because I've already made up my mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think we allow our children to manipulate us to the point where they go, oh, they start whining and crying, then we give in. And if they see that they see that you give in, then guess what they're going to do? They can continue to, when they ask for something or, or, or they want to do something that they know is not right, they know all they got to do is spit out and cry and, and, and act up, and then guess what's going to happen? You're going to give in because you don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you have to be strong in your, conv- in your convictions as a parent. You have to say, you know what, 
If I said no, I mean no. If I said yes, I mean yes. You know what I mean? And you have to stand true to your word. And that means you're going to always be right, but you have to stand at least inside your conviction. Now, once they get a little older, you can have dialogue back and forth, conversation back and forth to where, though, you might want to listen to things they have to say and, and let them give their opinion. But at the end of the day, you got to let them know. Like, I have the kind of veto powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, Darren, you actually mentioned something. You know, I just want to rewind a little bit, you know, talking about the, you know, being out of control, the kids being out of control. And I want to drop another monkey wrench. And I want to talk briefly about your past and my past. Now, we've all got a past, right? We've all got a past. A little dirt under our fingernails, as my brother T-Hawk might say. Um, (laughs) Now, except for me, you know, I don't have no dirt under my fingernails. I'm clean as a whistle. Straightening my bow tie right now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But unlike unlike Mr. Shoemaker, God rest his soul, Scott Shoemaker, um, some of y'all have been in some real sticky situations in which you may have even cheated death. But this monkey wrench is actually the very first question I asked tonight, but with a twist. And the question is simply this, fellas. Who raised you? Who raised you? You're looking for a spiritual answer? Maybe. <laughs> uh, who raised you? A little bit. A little bit. That's crazy. A little bit of everybody. I, I think. I think that um, life, you know when you life that raised you. I, I think when you really understand it, you you realize that that you know God raised you. God laid out a plan for our lives. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I mean when when you say who raised you, I'm thinking where you get all of your your thought process and, you know, your ways and, right? Are you coming from that perspective, right? Well, so from the perspective that, and let me, let me help. Now, Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, we know that. But in essence, Jesus can raise someone from a life that was dead. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, so that I'll wouldn't be past tense. Who raised me exactly. is... My parents set the foundation, and that foundation is important because everybody in my life who I, I, I come across with raised me. For example, if my parents did not do set the right foundation, so I'll be looking out for the, 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 the negative in, in my life to raise me. I will be looking for the bad people. Well... Uh, since they set a good foundation, I'll be looking for people like Rodney, uh, for example, uh, that, you know, I come across and I take some of the valuable things that he, go, he goes through his life and what you guys are going through. Uh, but if they didn't set the right foundation, which I would probably be looking for the wrong influence and then, you know, probably 
uh, the the raising as an adult we, because we're still growing as an adult. We it's not finished. It's just a big body, but it's not finished yet in terms of raising. And since our parents set the good foundation, we just continue uh, through what we go through in life. And probably uh, on a spiritual level, God said that in terms of what we're going to encounter, but also to give our parents the power to set that good foundation. If we and, and if we have parents on, on like crackhead and then set the right foundation, we probably would encounter other people that will probably not be able to follow through. You know, Randy. Uh, you know, you, you made a statement about your past and 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 kind of starting over. And and for me, you know, I, I had uh, two parts to my life, and it was it was before I was saved and after I was saved. And I was on that course, and I was raised right, but I I didn't want to hear it. And I was on a course, I mean, a collision course with 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 the world. And um, you know, through the choices I made, it it all it almost cost me my life. Yeah. Oh, and uh, if it wasn't for God stepping in, and I I really believe this was this was the plan that He had to get a hold of me because I was so damn hard headed that I wouldn't have learned any other way. Some people don't have to hit rock bottom, but for me, my whole life you know came apart, and 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 I was. I was 40 years old, and 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 uh, I thought I had achieved things because because of the things I had I had thought would make me feel full in life ended up making me feel even more empty. Let me ask and, you uh, it wasn't until I found Christ that that I had a new beginning. But filling filling my life with with the stuff, you know, the world didn't do it. It just it just made me yeah. feel more and more empty, and more and more empty, and and uh, at 40 years old, I I almost gave up. I was on the Baltimore Beltway, um, 7:22 p.m. October 13th, 2002, trying to figure out which tree to rent my car into and end my life. And God mm-hmm. stepped in, and it wasn't me. I wasn't thinking about God, but He stepped in. And I got saved on the Baltimore Beltway, and from that point forward, because He guided me, it changed my life. And and for me. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is, I tell people in a minute, um, you know, 12 years ago, I couldn't lead a group in silent prayer. I didn't want anything to do with God, but God had a different mm-hmm. plan. And I really mm-hmm. believe, you know, that, that God chooses the path for his children to take. And he's going to do whatever he needs to do to, to get I, a hold of them. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What, was your mom and dad religious? I went to church every Sunday, probably from nine months before I was born. Hmm. And when I was 17 and three-quarter years old, I swore I would never set a foot in a church again because I didn't need that nonsense because God was for weak people. Hmm. And um, I wasn't no punk, and I was going to do it. I didn't need God. So, so yeah, so, they were religious. So I, because, so, that's what, so, so that's what I'm saying. So that goes back to what the, the caller was saying when he said your parents set the foundation because they did instill that in you, even though you chose, once you got old enough to make your own decisions, you chose to go straight. But you mm-hmm. did know you did know that. You, you, you were taught that. So they set a foundation, which was something deep inside you that was still there. It might have been buried deep because you buried it deep, but it came came up at the right time, at the right moment. 
Um, yeah. and, and that's what I was kind of alluding to, too. Thank you, A.T., because, like, was it your parents? that Like, who was who the person or persons that planted that seed in your life? You know, when uh, – who was the – who was the person who really planted that seed? You know, you talk about your family, right. that sort of thing. But who was it? Was it your parents or was it somebody else? It was a situation. Well, what if it's a, I mean, it could be a situation. I think I mean, for me it was more have been just one person. that I had reached in my life. Um, and, and I'll tell you, um, I, I really had a problem with religion growing up. I went to a Catholic school. I grew up in a Catholic house. And religion was a hypocritical nonsense. There was... The church I went to had, had one Bible, and the priest taught out of that, and, and he was wearing a dress, so I didn't know about him. And, and we had one Bible in the house, and it was under the coffee table, never to be opened. So when you talk religion, that's what religion is to me. It's, 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 and even my mother said, well, you know, I did my hours, so I'm good. You know, it was, it was no relationship with Christ. But you know, it may have been the church I was in, it may have been where I was at, but in the Catholic church I was in, I mean, you know, nobody even had a Bible. But, Andrew, I want, you know, I'm just, I'm just, maybe I'm reaching here, but there had to be some person that planted a seed, as the brother said, mm-hmm. that, that was buried deep, and then on the beltway it, it, it you know, it, it came. Now, I'm going to tell you what, the, the craziest thing, it was it was uh it was a day before my fortieth birthday. And and I was going through a divorce, my wife had left me and the whole my whole house of cards that I had built had come crashing down. And and I'm gonna tell you who it was, it was Christ. Because I got on I got on uh, I, I had to take my kids back to school. My my kids were in college at the time, my son was at Princeton, and my daughter was at, at um, Towson, and I, my dad told me growing up, um, men don't cry, you suck it up. Mm. If you cry, you're weak. So when, mm. when I was 10 years old, I decided I wasn't going to cry anymore. I didn't, I didn't shed one tear when I was 10 years old until the day I got saved when I was 40. Now, you see mm. me in church, you look at me, I'm crying damn near every week now, but that, that wasn't what happened with me. And when I was, when I got in the car with um, with uh, with my daughter taking her back uh, from the, the 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 train station, dropping my son off, I got a feeling that I had to call a lady that was a super Christian. I couldn't stand her because she was a Christian. But as soon as my daughter got in the car with me and I started driving up toward Towson, I got this overwhelming feeling I needed to call this woman. And I didn't like to talk to her because she was one of those super Christians, and and I was one of these Christians in word only, you know, you know, you know, Hallelujah, yeah, yeah, okay, Christ is good enough. That's enough. My buddy asked me one time. He says, Andrew, where does where does God fall in your life? I said, God handles the religious. That's on Sunday between eleven and twelve. I handle <laughs> family. I'm not wow. kidding. I'm serious. Wow. I handled the business and the family. I said, you know, and the only the only reason I was going to church is because that's what you did with kids. And he, and I when I got out of my parents' house, I swore I'd never set foot in a church again. And then several years later, I, you know, I, I was shacking up with a girl and, and all kind of stuff, and we decided to put the kids in church. You know, so and the only difference was it was a Baptist church, and you had to carry a Bible. So, you know, the, the Bible lived in the church from Sunday to Sunday. As a matter of fact, the pastor met with me, and he said, are you saved? 
And I said, saved from what? I grew up in a Catholic church, and I had never heard that. Are you saved? I said, saved from what? He said, well, you know, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. I said, I guess so. I'm a pretty good guy. You know, and the way I was taught was you weigh the good against the bad. If the good outweighed the bad, you go to heaven. If not, then you go to this place called purgatory, and they light some candles or whatever and say some prayers, and the heat floats you up or something. Or, you know, and, and very few people went to hell. I mean, hell was reserved for, like, the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Hitlers. You know, and he said to me, the pastor said, Andrew, it doesn't matter how good or bad you are. If, if, if you haven't accepted Christ in your heart, you're not going to heaven. So I was an action kind of guy. So what do you have to do? He said, well, you, you know, you, you walk down the aisle, you say this prayer, and you get baptized. I said, so I walk the aisle, say a prayer, and take a dip, and I'm going to heaven? He said, yeah. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> Next Sunday, he did a thing called an altar call. I was the first guy down there. I walked the aisle, said the prayer, took the dip. I was, quote, unquote, saved. I wasn't no more saved than a man in the moon. Mm-hmm. But, and the reason I say it was God, because as I drove up, and, and a, a business partner of mine, um, he was a cool guy, and his wife was one of these crazy Jesus freaks. I mean, everything was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, I mean, if you're not walking, if you're not walking with God, that's the last thing you want to hear. I mean, I was enough of it. Enough. I don't hear that. You know, it's not Sunday, all right? And, and you know, I, I just wouldn't even talk to the woman. And all I got the whole time from Alexandria to Towson was I needed to call this woman. And when I dropped my daughter off, I couldn't wait for her to get out of the car so I could call this woman that I had never spoken to. The only time I ever spoke to her was to talk to her husband. Okay? I think you missed it. Missed what? That was the woman that planted the seed. Yeah. He, Christ, it was Christ, but he worked through a human being. Exactly. He worked through her. That's right. And the craziest yeah. thing was, when I called her, my daughter, my daughter, I got my daughter to, 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 to the tower, and she said, oh, Dad, my computer isn't printing. Could you come up here and print? And, and the spirit was so heavy on me to call this woman that I, I didn't even know what I would say to her. The spirit was so heavy on me, I was like, oh, I don't want to go up there. I need to call this woman. But can, I, can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. When you say the spirit, were you thinking that when you when you were feeling it? Were you oh heck no! I wasn't thinking. I, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know anything about this. All I knew was I had to call. I didn't even know why I needed to call this woman. My whole life had come crashing down, and I was heading back to a house four thousand square foot with every toy you could imagine. Okay, and it was nothing. It was empty. My wife had left. Everything was gone. She even took the cat. I didn't like the cat, but she took it. I had nothing. <laughs> but I realized my life w- wasn't worth it. Right. You know, and, and when I got right. back in the car, I went up there and fixed the printer, reinstalled the driver, whatever, got back in the car, and I started to drive back down 695, and it was raining at the time, and I had a Cadillac, and, and I was heading back to home to nothing. I mean, I was heading back to nothing. And you got to understand where I'm coming from. I'm not no punk. And and I always thought somebody that thought about taking their life was weak, and I wasn't weak. And I started to think, you know, life would be better off if I was just dead. Mm-hmm. And it was raining, and I thought to myself, you know what? I could I could drive into one of these trees, and and they, they would think I just slipped off the road. And mm-hmm. I got this thought in the back of my mind: call Carol. 
All right. Why did that second call Carol? And I thought, you know, this was after the whole time I'm thinking, I got to call her. I don't know why I got to call her. I just, I don't know what it is. I just got to call her. And, and I'm, you know, and, 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 and I, and I kind of shook the thought off and thought to myself, well, what would I say to this woman? I, I don't ever speak to her. You know, I talk to her husband and, you know, and, 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 and I started looking at the trees and I, and I thought, and I thought, well, I better pick a big tree because I don't want to get wounded. <laughs> you know, I want to do this right. I'm a winner. I do it right. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at the time. Literally, I was holding on to the steel wheel, and tears were pouring down the way, the, the, my, my face because I had the weight of the world on my shoulders. My life had come crashing down. And, and, and then I heard call Carol, almost like somebody was sitting next to me. I couldn't believe it. You know, and I thought, here I am arguing with this voice. Well, what would I say to her? He said, well, you know, she did up here from Florida for your party. You could thank her for that. I kept driving and looking at the trees. Huh? Did you ever get her on the phone? Yeah, well, well, the next thing happened, the third time, I heard it again. It said, call Carol now. And I took my eyes off the trees, and I said, all right. And I dialed the phone, and all I could think, Rodney, when, 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 when the phone rang was um, her husband was going to answer. And how could I ask? He knew I was a womanizer. How could I ask him to talk to his wife? Because <laughs> okay. anybody who knew me knew I was out there. So I was like, oh, I hope she answered the phone. And she answered the phone, and I'm like, oh, good. And, and she started talking. I said, hi, Carol. I said, this is Andrew. She said, oh, hi, Andrew. And it was real noisy. That was the crazy thing, right? It was the craziest thing. And, and, and uh, she said, hold on. And I thought, oh, no, she's going to give the phone to her husband. I'm dead. That's all, the only thought that came into my mind. And, and, but she didn't. She went into a quiet room, and here was the kicker. Here was the crazy thing. All that noise? Yeah, I told you she was a Jesus freak. And what did Jesus freaks do? They have prayer meetings. She was in a prayer meeting. And you know who they were praying for? You. Me. <laughs> she went into the next room and it got quiet. I didn't know this till till months months later, maybe a year later. I didn't know they were praying for me. She went into the next room, and and she said she said I said Carol, I just wanted to thank you. And I'm fighting tears back. I just want to thank you for for flying up from Florida for my party. And she said, Oh, that's okay, Andrew. She's from West Virginia. Had an accident. That's okay. That's all right. I appreciate it. She said, Well, how are you? And I said, I said I'm doing. I said I'm I'm doing. I said I said I'm doing kind of bad. I said it's it's kind of rough. And she said I know. And I said uh, I said I got the, I said I got the weight of the world on my shoulders, Carol. And here I am on the Baltimore Beltway doing about forty miles an hour, pouring rain, tears coming down my 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 face. Never talked to this woman except for Hey Carol, let me talk to your husband. And and she said so. I said to her, I got the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I literally did. And she said to me, well, you can't carry that. And I said, I know. And she said, she said, but, you know, she said, Christ has the whole world in his hands. And you could give it to him. Do you want to do that? And I said, yeah. She said, well, you need to ask him. I said, yeah, that's what I want. She said, no, you need to say the word. And right there on the Baltimore Beltway, I said, Lord, I have messed this thing up. I said, please forgive me and come live in my heart. And the craziest thing, man, I'm driving down the Baltimore Beltway, 
and I had the, the weight of the world on my shoulders and everything lifted off, and I felt this warmth rush into my heart. I couldn't believe it. And I looked at my clock, and it said 7.22 p.m., October 13th, 2002. And it's the one minute that changed my eternity, and I had nothing to do with it. Christ seeked me out. Mm. You know, it had nothing to do with me going to Catholic school. I knew nothing about Christ. Christ yeah. decided that he was going to save me, and he picked me out. Because he the used course, Carol to help you. It, that's right. And he used, he used beacons of light all along the way. He was there. What I realized was he was there every step of the way. Well, you are going to yeah, I can so, recognize so, that. But so, when so I was walking you, in the darkness, I couldn't. Baker, you said the less control we give ourselves, the more control we give God, the better off we are whether it's raising our children or whether it's just living our lives. Hey, Andrew, you think he saved you because you were cute? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you what, you know, <laughs> you know, um, ever heard that song, Amazing Grace? Oh, yeah. Yep. I listened to that song, and, and I'm going to tell you what, that's my story. It amazes me that he saved me because I didn't deserve it. I'm going to tell you what, if I told you all some of the stuff, I mean, you know, I'm telling you, I've been out there. You name it, I've, I've, I've done some vile, crazy, horrible stuff. But that's, a, but that's, a, that's God's M.O. If you look at it, Jesus' that's disciples right. were gangsters. Jesus' disciples were gangsters, murderers, robbers, thieves. They weren't people of high standing in the community. Mm. You know, I was, I was, I was out there, and I'm gonna tell you, you know, and and I see, you know, if he could save me, he could save anyone, and I'm gonna tell you what, I, you know, it, it blows me away to realize he saved me, cause ain't nothing where, where, in me that that he where, should have spent a moment where, with that I deserve to be burning in hell. Where's the miracle in saving somebody already doing the right thing? But you see, I didn't want anything to do with God. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Where, where's the, where, where, where can, where, like, that's like, okay, that's like saying, uh, 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 how can I say, uh, a 6-2 center playing a 4-9 point guard and, and the 6-2 center beats him. That, okay, you expect that. But the 4-9 four, the four point guard beats the 6-2 center. You don't expect that. That's a miracle. So somebody that's so bad and so rotten to the core, quote-unquote, turning their life around and becoming better is a miracle. That's a showcase <laughs> of God's power. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And the and crazy think- part of it, I'm going to tell you what, and like I said, I couldn't lead a group in silent prayer. And, and I told God, I said, look, Lord, you know, whatever you have me do, I'll do it. And about four months later, I had a pastor come into my into my office, and we were talking about the Lord and different things and something I would never do, you know. And so he said, you know what? He said, um, in six weeks, I'm going to Nigeria on a mission trip. I said, Nigeria? He said, yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> he said, um, uh, would you like to come? I said, look, man. <laughs> I'm a hearing specialist. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a pastor. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in Nigeria. And Nigeria is halfway around the world. Why won't I go to Nigeria? He said, well, 
He said, I want you to go and pray on it because the Lord is telling me that you need to be there. I was like, what is what these whacked out Christian folks? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not kidding. I was, you know, you know what? It was, and this is what he said. He said, man, you got the anointing. I said, what is wrong with you nuts? I said, if I had the anointing, my wife would come home. I mean, this is all this Christian stuff. And I went home, and I prayed on it, and I was just like, okay, Lord, if that's where you want me to be. So, you know, six weeks later, I got on a plane (laughs) to go on a mission trip (laughs) to to Nigeria. Now, here's a guy that that four months earlier couldn't lead a group in silent prayer. And we get to Nigeria, (laughs) and, and they're doing a... They're doing a crusade with about 21 missionaries from the U.S. doing a crusade. I didn't even know why I was there. So the head of the mission comes to me, and he says, um, the Lord's been talking to me, and he says, um, he says, um, I, I, think you need to, uh, I think you need to share your testimony um, at the crusade tomorrow night with 20,000 people. Wow. <laughs> I said, you have lost your mind. I looked at him like he had lost his mind. <laughs> and, and I was like, what is wrong with you nutty people? Is, I'm not a pastor. I don't do stuff. What are you talking about? I can't, I'm not, I can't do stuff like this. And I, I, and I, got, I left those crazy nuts, and, and I got on the phone, and I called. She was my, my, my fiancé at the time, and I said, Glenn, these crazy people, this is what they think. <laughs> That's what they want me to do. They have lost their mind. I can't do this. And she's my wife now, but you know what she said to me? She said, you know, you're right. You can't. But the Christ in you can. And we're going to start praying. They gave me the mic in 15 minutes. 20 minutes later, they're trying to pull the mic away from me. And the Holy Spirit came down. I, I mean, I have seen things that I can't even explain. And it's not me, it's Christ. When he makes the decision that you're his guy, you're his guy. Mm. See, Paul wasn't trying to get out there. I'm not comparing myself to Paul. I'm just saying, Paul wasn't out there looking to do this or that. It wasn't the way he was raised. God said, hey, you're my guy. And Andrew, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, and, y'all, I mean, y'all heard Andrew's testimony. I mean, it, it, it's pretty powerful. But I want to try to tie this thing back to one of the trees that Andrew wanted to hit um, in his story. Um, And also tie it to the mission field in Nigeria. And when thinking about farming, uh, farming just in general, natural human instinct would suggest that a farmer shouldn't waste his seeds during a drought because the dry conditions would never produce a harvest. I mean, that's pretty basic stuff, fellas. But in Genesis 26, that's exactly what God told Isaac to do. God told Isaac to sow seeds in the land during extreme drought conditions. Now, for you Bible scholars, does anybody know what eventually happened from those seeds that Isaac planted? Does anybody know? The fruit, it, he had, he had, uh, it began to uh, nurse the land with crops. Exactly. Later that same year, Isaac reaped 
100 times more than what mm-hmm. he had originally planted. 100 mm-hmm. times more. Drought conditions. So here's mm-hmm. the monkey wrench, fellas. Is household stress similar to Isaac? Sowing seeds during drought conditions. Are we nothing more than farmers that merely sow a seed every Tuesday night? Mm. I mean, let me help you, fellas. Now, to those of you who may not know, who may not know, we've never made a dime off what we do. Right, Tony? Not one. Not one single dime. In fact, Household Stress LLC is in the red every month. The challenge we just did two weeks ago, in the red. The book that we published two years ago, in the red. This little show we do every Tuesday night is in the red. And I still haven't sent Tony the invoice for all the time for household stress that I've been putting in for the past five years, but he's going to get it. (laughs) But, I mean, when you think about it, fellas, are we not – is, is household stress? Is are we just plant just sowing a seed? Okay. Drought conditions. Is it is is that safe to say? Well, I'm gonna tell you what I heard. What I just heard was when you said everything was in the red, and the red represents blood. So I believe that you covered that. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Good work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I hear. And Andrew, that was me, said, were you, uh, were you cute? <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. But but just a little further, fellas, speaking speaking of Tuesday nights, T-Hawk, you still there, my brother? You, you there, right? I'm right here. I'm right here. Can you briefly explain to the brethren the rationale behind why five years ago, you picked Tuesday night for us to do this. What was your reasoning behind the day of Tuesday? I forgot now. I thought it was nothing was going on Tuesday night. <laughs> what do you mean nothing was going on? You got to explain that, brother. What do you mean nothing was going on? What do you mean by that? I mean, it's just a night, man. It, you know, that there, there wasn't nothing, you know. It's a night during the week. It wasn't Monday where so, people didn't have to work. It was drought season. Basically. <laughs> well, Monday Night Football might be. No well, Monday Night Football. No Wednesday Night Bible Study. It's just a boring Tuesday night. A dry day. Thursday, you got things to do. Yeah, that's close to Thursday, the weekend. Sometimes you got football now. Thursday Night Football. Mm, mm. Now, Tony. It was the only logical something. night. It was the yeah, only logical Tony. night. Tony, do you think it was a coincidence that we do this thing on Tuesday night for the past five years? I don't think it was. I don't believe in the word coincidence. (laughs) You're right on my street, brother. Because did you know, did you know that Bible scholars point out that Tuesday was the only day in the creation story that God said it was good twice. Did you know that? Wow. So it's kind of like he blessed Tuesday twice. Only other day that he said it was good twice, 
And in Orthodox Jewish custom, this passage of Scripture in the creation story has led to the tradition that this day was specially favored by God, actually deeming Tuesday, get this, a good day for weddings, a good day to get married on Tuesday. Mm. So like the Sabbath, yeah. <laughs> there's another special day of the week. <laughs> right? That's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm glad, which, I'm glad you said what you said. It was like, I don't believe in coincidences, and I don't either. You know how I roll. Yeah, Five I years ago, you're like, man, ain't no Monday night football. We go to church on Wednesday, Thursday too late in the week. Can't definitely do Friday. Sunday night football. So you're like, let's do it on Tuesday. And we've been here every Tuesday since January of 2009, on Tuesday, the twice good day. Mm-hmm. It'd be good for marriage, talking about things involving marriage. Thank you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> the Tuesday is a good day to get married. Now, who ever thought about Tuesday? Everybody get married on Saturday. Some people get married on Sundays and Fridays to cut costs these days. But Tuesday? Nobody gets married on Tuesday. But this is I don't what... know anybody got married on Tuesdays. No. I know somebody get married on, on a Monday. <laughs> November. <laughs> but not, but I'm not gonna tell you what happens on Tuesdays. What you'll get some energy and you'll get some knowledge to stay married on Tuesdays. I bet you that much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> We're great. We're great. And earlier, just to land this plane, fellas, and we can get a little open mic in here, um I wanna go a little bit further. Um Earlier, somebody was mentioning the the, the government. Um, some people refer to the government as the nanny state. But what about super nannies? Has anybody ever seen or heard of the TV show called Super Nanny? Have y'all heard about that? Yeah, y'all seen it? Yeah. 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 Super Nanny. For those of you who don't know, is a reality TV show that originated in the United Kingdom, which features a professional nanny who devotes each episode to help parents struggling with child-rearing and their child's behavior. So I want to drop the final monkey wrench of the evening, and I want to tie tonight's whole episode to the super nanny. And I know you're like, huh? What? The super nanny? Check this out. Super Nanny, the reality TV show about parents struggling with their children's behavior. The Super Nanny TV show featured a professional who devoted each episode to helping a family. The professional nanny would show the parents alternative ways to regain order in their households. So what we do here on Tuesday nights, the Twice Good Day, blessed twice, is eerily similar to the super nannies. One could easily refer to us as super daddies. The Married Men Don't Talk show could be a reality show about wives all over the world who might be struggling with their husband's behavior. But unlike the super nanny, our show features regular, everyday, married and unmarried men, not professionals and we also devote each episode to helping who the family 
every night we helping the family, right, T Hawk? That's what we do. Every night. Now watch this. Now watch this. Similar to the super nanny, we show married men alternative ways to regain order in their households. Now I've been married for fourteen years, but the last five years I've been rocking with y'all every Tuesday night. And I even snuck in here on a couple of nights uh, right after my son was born last year. Y'all remember that? Y'all saw my number on the mm-hmm. screen, and uh, I wasn't allowed to talk. Um, but I was on here just listening, you know, to you guys talk. And I got a newborn in my arms. Um, so I think it's safe to say, fellas, that household stress, just getting back to the topic here, who's raising your kids, um, household stress has raised me to be a better husband to be a better father, to be a better man in general, just just a better man all around. Um, so my final monkey wrench is actually kind of geared to the women who might be listening tonight or may listen to this at some point in the future. So to the wives listening out there, my final question is simply this. Who's raising your husband? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. What, what do you think one. their response would be, fellas, to that question? I told you, household stress raised me, raised me right. You know, mm. I've learned some things on here the past five years about Rodney mm. that I mm. need to change. So how would the wives answer that? Who's raising your husband? I don't know if they have an answer for that question. I, I think they. I, I don't know. I, I think uh, my fiance would say, "I'm raising myself with the help of friends." I think that's what she would say. And she might say she has a part in it too. She's up raising me too. <laughs> <laughs> Because that would be her ego. Anybody else? Any thoughts on what? I believe that a woman, if she has to, I I heard of a a story today about this guy from Japan, and he, uh, this woman broke up with him, and uh, he was so distraught and depressed that he cut his own manhood off. And he went to the. the, That wasn't the shot of distress. That was just being psycho. Okay. But but he said it because his woman left. So the 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 point I'm making is a lot of the people, men that's half raised coming into a relationship, they don't need to be raised. They need to be already there because they need to leave the household. Now, if, if a woman has to raise a man, then she might as well be the man. And she don't need to be the man in her in her position as a woman because now you're going to have a lopsided situation where you're going to be calling super nanny instead of daddy. <laughs> nah. well, that's a, uh, I don't know if uh, I totally agree, I think, you have an obligation to each other to grow together. And growing together is basically raising. So 
you have to have a, a certain level of respect for the person that you choose to marry. And even though, you know, I'm quite sure you, you dated before and you know each other, there's nothing like knowing a person until you live with them, been with them, and each, each and every day you still learn something new about that person. So, but when you say raise, when you say raise, that means that they're not there. That means that they're not uh, where they're supposed to be as a quote-unquote man of the house or husband or father. You know, no, you no, don't no, need a, no, a woman. No, no. A woman no, no, can't no. teach a man how to be a man. No, I mean, she no. can't teach a boy how to be a man either. Exactly. But she can. She can't teach you how to be a man. But she can. She can give you her expectations as a woman, which she expects from a man, her man. Oh, but that's different than raising him, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I can. You can, she can expect me to do anything, but I at least have to know the basics already. I at least have yeah. to know, you know, not to hit her. I at least have but to hey. know. You know, hey, when when you had when you helped me have these kids, you can't just be going out with the boys while I'm at home doing this. Well, my daddy did that. No, you don't want to raise no man. Right, right. Uh, Darren, Darren, I think that you know, um, the brother might be right because the definition of raise, by definition, is to lift or move to a higher level. Our wives can help us with that. I know my wife helped me with that. But you talked about the basics, you know, getting the basics. And that goes that goes right back to my question. Yeah. But outside of just imagine you, Darren, before household stress, what kind of who was raising you to a high level. Now, now can I just say this one thing real quick? Go ahead, bro. This, I, I used to like, I, I told you guys, I used to like Japanese women, right? Because I was in, yep. when I was in the martial arts and this Japanese chick, I, 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 was, I just loved it, right? But uh, it was my younger year. So she taught me how to speak Japanese. Japanese. She taught me because she said, you're going to have to talk to my father and I want you to be able to impress him. So I said, teach me some words that I can impress your daddy. And what is the, the gestures that I have to make? Because I see y'all bowing all the time. So she was telling me how to say, how, how to greet, how to bow, what to do, what to say, how to act, how to lift my tea, and, you know, all these other things. So I had it down packed to the T. And then I spoke to her father when I finally met him. I met this guy for the first time. I did Everything she told me, I rehearsed it for three months, and the dude laughed in my face. And and I got in so I'm like, what is he laughing at? Does that mean he? I'm looking at her like that's you ain't tell me about this part. So she he he started talking to his son, and his son said something else to him, and I was like, man, what is going on? I said, what is your dad saying to your brother? She said. He's saying that you're talking like a woman. I did not know that Japanese women speak differently than Japanese men, even though it's the same language. Mm. Well, I did not know that. Isn't, isn't that all men and women? No, this, 
Talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I, Talk I don't about speak it. the same way as my fiance speak. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't say OMG. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't say that. I mean, I don't. You, 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 you missing? You, you missing what I'm saying? I'm bro. not, I'm not missing it. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I got it, but I'm just saying all men and women speak differently. So no, no, no. Kind of like, I'm saying as a culture, as the the women literally speak differently than the men. If, for example, if I say, uh, how you doing, sir? That's, a man can say that to another man. The woman would say, sire. They would kind of like lower themselves and let the man know that I am lower than you in their language, in their tone. So mm. I am saying to this man, sire, <laughs> like I am not his equal. And that's why he was laughing at me. So what I'm saying is that that goes across the board as if a woman trying to teach a boy how to be a man how to raise him as a man? You gonna get some. You gonna get some. You gonna get some problems there. But, but so you said you said you saying raise to a certain extent of teaching him the principalities of being a man. I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it's raised based on taking to the next level of within the household. Already, the man already knows how to be a man because he is a man. He's already gone through that phase. But a woman can show you things. That uh, 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 because if she was raised, if she had a father, her father showed her what to expect, what not to expect, what what, what a good man does, what a good man doesn't. So she knows some things about a man. Just because would you want a woman, a woman that you would have to tell, hey, <coughs> hey, don't don't curse in front of my friends. Hey, you need to learn how to cook. Hey, you know, give me give me give me give me I mean, you know, make, make love to me every once in a while. Don't want to have to tell a woman that you want her to come that's with. The, that's the basic. We're, we're already we're already past that. That's preschool when you're talking about if you're married, you should already be past that. We're no, because everybody not raised the same. Yeah, we're talking about further further in your education. We're talking about college degrees, maybe a bachelor of, of relationships. When you're talking about certain things, certain things I say raising. Oh, you're talking about a help meet then. That's I mean, my definition. I guess the definition of a help meet is what the wife is supposed to do to her already manly husband or already I think uh, you missed it. That, that's what I'm saying is that I think you missed it, Darren, is that we don't come. That's why we're here every week. We don't come into it no, having all the answers. Yeah, we come here to Nobody. get better. Nobody does. We come here to get uh, to enhance what we have, what we already think we got together. But when you say when when I hear the word raise, that means that you don't know pretty much Jack, you know. And I've seen some relationships nah, where, nah, 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 nah. yeah, I think you're raising. talking about the, the transitive verb of, you know, you're talking about children. You know, we are talking yeah. about children. in this context. We're talking about to move to a higher position, to elevate, to build. To I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that your wife, as your helpmate, can help you rise to another level and elevate. Correct. Oh, no doubt, but that's that. That doesn't mean she's raising me. That means she's stretching me. It does that means by the definition of race. It's it's um it's like forty different definitions of race, and I think you're stuck yeah. on the, the the portion of children. Oh, you know, yeah. we stepped out of that box now. We not we're not saying that she's you know wiping your butt and, and wiping your nose and that kind of thing like you're a child. We're so just saying that elevate, she completely elevate. Are you trying to use that? Yeah, elevate is better. 
I think that a woman, a good woman, can elevate a, a, a great man. She can elevate exactly. a good man to greatness. Yeah. Exactly. Case in point, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama. Possibly. But I think that's what you know. That's what we're talking about. Is that not in the raising of the children sense, but as the helpmate. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I am not the man I am today if it wasn't for my wife. Because she challenges me to be a better Mm -hmm. husband, to be a better father, to be a better man, Mm -hmm. period. And then, look at this, I'm on here too. So I'm getting like, I'm getting like the double portion, you know, I'm getting double. And that goes back again to my question is that what about the guys who we talk to all the time? <laughs> what are they doing? Who's raising them? That was that was my question. We we meet on here to try to get better every week or, you know, as our schedule permits. But other guys, they just, nah, you know, I'm good, brother. Thank you, but no thanks. But let me, let me ask you a question. And and uh, when you meet on here, you talk about topics that normally you've experienced or someone you know has experienced, right? No, not all the time. But, I mean, I'm just saying sometimes. Or, in, I mean, in general, yeah. I mean, in a general sense, somebody so, can relate. So, in, so in retrospect, your wife or wives or, or the woman is helping because you can't experience these things without having that other person present. Yes. Correct? So, in retrospect, they are helping because in order to go through these situations, in order to, to learn from them, to gain knowledge from them, that other person has to be involved in that situation. I guess I'm just stuck on that word raise, not from a <laughs> – not, I, I don't like that word raise. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get it, bro. It's, it's various definitions it. to raise. Like, get a raise at work. I mean, it's different. It's different terms, you know. I mean, it same word, but different context. You know, to grow, yeah. to increase, increase. I mean, it's just so many things. Um, I mean, I know my wife elevated me to believe that what I always wanted, uh, what I believe that God told me that I had to do. She said, "Well, let's do it." I mean, let's get out here and do it. I mean, right now, mm-hmm. you know, she, she just went through that 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 gruesome to me surgery and she's already talking about going back to work in two days and i'm like yo yo baby you gotta slow it down i mean wonderful powerful woman but you know and and her strength i i can't complain about anything you know i can't complain about being tired i can't complain about but she's uh, raising you she's huh? raising you she's raising <laughs> yep. the bar She's raising yep. the bar for you. She set the bar high for you, so you you can you can't take a break because she's not taking a break. That you're right, but that's a bar <laughs> that she's raising, not raising me I mean, though. Right, I mean, she's raising, she's raising, she's raising right. you. She's raising you. That's the same word, man. She, she's, <laughs> she is, she is taking me, she's taking me, she is breaking me, making me um, through a cloud Listen. that I I couldn't, re- I didn't think I had, I, I didn't think she I had it in me. All the credit she deserves. Yeah, oh, exactly. yeah. <laughs> She's raising you. Yeah. All right. Me, you know. Helping you, or let's put it this way. She's helping you step up your game. How about that? Exactly. That'll wonderful. Yeah. That, that, wonderful. That wonderful. 
All right. All right. <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Anything else? Anything else? Um, if not, we can go go to open mic. Anybody got anything? T Hawk, you got anything? Nah. All right, open mic, fellas. Give me a second. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.